ass, mom. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. That's me. Mm hmm. And for music video sins, Barrett Share. Hey, finger guns. Finger guns. Yeah. I'm feeling cool pew, like pew, Fonzie pew. today. Anything make you angry? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I, w- I don't have like surface anger. Like I can't bring the heat on this topic. But this whole James Dean starring in a movie thing. Mm hmm. Uh, it's, it's troubling to me. Um, plenty of stars have come out. Chris Evans, uh, Elijah Wood, almost said Little Hobbit. Um, <laughs> uh, plenty of actors have come out and said, no, this should not be a thing. Uh, the defense from the filmmakers is laughable on two fronts. One, uh, we have the blessing of his estate, mm-hmm. which from what little digging I did is like children of one of his cousins. That's who's running his estate at this point? That's what I read. Wow. And I like my cousins, <laughs> but I don't want their children making decisions on what happens to Jeremy-created intellectual property after Jeremy dies. Yes. It's not as though we've got James Dean's wife, who's like, he always wanted to star in a movie 50 years after his death. <laughs> no, it's just... <laughs> it's totally her, by the you way. Yeah, I know. That's what she sounds like. You can, and so you decided to. Then the other bald-faced lie is the filmmaker saying, we, we, we thought about every actor. We, we, this is the only actor that can play this role, which is, well, that's a fucking lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that they're trying to skate by with that as their excuse. Like, he was so uniquely talented. Only he possesses the range of whatever, but we can then digitize that. Like then, if he he's not the only one that can do it, if you're going to create him out of thin air. What is the project? Do you even know what the the project is? Like what the what's the movie? I don't I don't know. I haven't, I, I I haven't read that. I haven't far. drilled down that far either. Now I remember. You guys might not remember this. There was a commercial. I feel like it was 15, 20 years ago, where they used footage of Fred Astaire dancing. Yes. With like a modern day mop or uh-huh, vacuum uh-huh. or something, and there was all this outcry. Yeah. That was twenty years ago. Yeah. And because the technology, the, the the both the de-aging and this fucking deep fake shit, where every other day there's some viral deep fake where it's, you know, now look at what Magnum P.I. would have looked like as Indiana Jones because we've deep faked his face over Harrison Ford's. Yeesh. Or, that actually exists, right? Yes. Yeah, so, or the Bill Hader one where yeah. they morph him into Tom Cruise or whatever. Yeah. First of all, I think that's a frivolous waste of talent and computing power. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, and I don't understand why they're so interesting to people. Uh, but it, it this is... We're on a we're on a slope, and nobody realizes we're sliding down it yet, and we're going to hit the bottom, and people are going to be, you know, what what happens if there's a what happens if there's no estate? What happens if we dig up a a movie star from the 1920s and there's no remaining somebody to give permission? Well, I mean, do I, you do you when you die? Do you not have to add to your li- to your will? Uh, 
I do not allow my likeness to be used in future movies. Yeah, I mean, if if it comes to somebody with a lesser name than James Dean, why do it at all, right? It probably would be cheaper to just hire some rando fucking actor and insert that person in there than it would be to do a Gemini Man thing. But it's a right? gimmick. It's a gimmick. Yes, I agree. I don't, care, I don't care what you have as a script. This movie is about a gimmick. Yeah. And you're trying to make money on a dead man. Yeah. I the, agree. Uh, the movie's called Finding Jack and uh, says directors Anton Ernst and Tati Golik obtained the rights to use Dean's image from the late actor's family. They told The Hollywood Reporter, the movie, which is based on the novel of the same name, is set around the abandonment of over 10,000 military dogs. At the end of the Vietnam War, Dean will play a character named Rogan. Yeah. Couldn't get anybody else to do that. No, yeah, you I, could. It, you're, you're right, though, Jeremy. It's a lie. This is a straight bald face lie. You can't. There's there's no justification mm -hmm. for this. There's no there's no role. Uh, I, I mean, even the roles that we can't imagine other people in that that somebody else couldn't play. Right. Because someone else always has a different interpretation of something. And they're always it seems like how many times they hit pay dirt with those things. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's usually pretty good. You know, the, it's an absolute lie. They have to say this lie, I think, though. I agree, because the only other option is we uh, were trying to cash in on, yeah. uh, on, on technology in a cheap yeah. uh, and, and meaningless way. People are going to be either curious or hate watch it, right? Or both. Uh, but you're right. It's it's a gimmick. It's not that we can't get any other actor. It's that, hey, this is James Dean well, in it's digital like, form. You know how sometimes a famous author will be like 50 years after they're dead. We found a we found a manuscript that mm -hmm. they never published and, and somebody in their family wants to make money and so they'll publish it. It's like a lost treasure or the, uh, the lost book by whoever. This is that. Yeah. Only he didn't give this performance and stick it in a can and somebody came along and found it and put it into a movie. You're mm -hmm. now You're now taking a person who's dead and you're going to manipulate his face to do and say whatever you want. He has no say over that. Yeah. So the implications for this are way beyond, like, should we or shouldn't we? It's like, well, well let's take Marilyn Monroe and we'll put her in a movie. And this time with technology, we're going to make her topless. That's yeah. icky and wrong. Yeah. And she has no way to consent to that. Yeah. And so I just feel like. It's it's a morally gray area. Hopefully, no one will go see it. This will tank, and nobody else will try and do it. But I have to believe there's so many hucksters out there, mm -hmm. so many people who just want to make a buck, that this is just the beginning, yeah. and this is going to continue on and on and on. I got you. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm troubled by it. That's a good rant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm, I'm now troubled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although that uh, Steve Buscemi uh, J-Law one was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but again, it's the same joke every time. Yes, it is. Yes. It's it's let's see what person A would look like in person B's performance. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it's perpetually interesting. It yes. should have been interesting once or twice mm -hmm. and then died off. I got you. I got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you angry about? Uh, my, my, my rant is not going to be nearly as good as you guys again, because I, like I said, most of my... I think there's a lot of people out there who would love to hear us talk about driving forever, and that's basically <laughs> my thing, and just rude-ass fucking people all the time. Um, but I don't have, like, it's not week to week. Like, I'll see the James Dean thing, and I'll be like, ah, it's fucked up, and I don't yeah. have a rant for it. And, 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 but uh, uh, I am, I would call myself a part-time grammar Nazi. Mm -hmm. 
part time. Yep. Part time. Yeah. On I'm not, call. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not a full time. Definitely not one of these who's like, you got to be proper about every. When you say that you feel good, what do you mean by yeah, that? Exactly. I'm not one of those people. But there is one thing, and I think I'm going. I'm going to couch this by saying I think it's smartphone related. Okay. People putting apostrophe s on everything when they're trying to pluralize. When it. they're trying to plural. Yep. I went to see the Yankees play Yankee com apostrophe s the other day. <laughs> it's already plural. Yeah. You wouldn't say Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and and it's just the it's just this constant thing that I see on the internet, and I think a lot of times it's people typing stuff in a smartphone because I've typed stuff in a smartphone and it wants to apostrophe s something, sure. and you're just like, maybe it's the smartphone, maybe the smartphone they need to figure out stop putting apostrophe s on mm -hmm. everything, just let it go, and if they don't want to put the apostrophe there, that's that's their loss. Most of the time you don't need it. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I would say that you, it leans that you don't need it, but people put it on everything. Yeah. And I just I can't read something intelligently when it's when it when that happens. Yeah. And there are, and like I said, there are plenty of other things I could get really pissed off about, but that's the one <laughs> that bothers me the most. I can't figure out why. Yeah. I think it's because it just looks dumb. <laughs> It does. It, it does. Above all the other things that you can do, yeah. misspell words, you know, like uh, accidentally put another word when you meant for meant another word. Like the apostrophe S always tells me, like you didn't you didn't proofread this, did well, you? Look, I mean, this is going to be. I'm not old man yelling at cloud, but when I was in the medical field, the I was reading medical records from new residents mm -hmm. that would come on, who were in their early to mid twenties. And I was talking to an older doctor who was doing the same patient and <laughs> Ooh, hey, who was writing up the same patient. And you could tell it's night and day. One is in complete sentences and, and, and paragraphs and one is shorthand and not medical shorthand, texting shorthand. Mm -hmm. And I was asking him, like, can you read this? Because, you know, I'm, I was young back then and I was like, I, I can't even really understand this. And he was like, I think this is going to how, be how it is. Uh, for for medical records and things like that, just because there is a shorthand in the lexicon for smartphones, for communication, for tweeting, for texting, and all that stuff, and it's not going to go away. Um, well, the problem. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The problem is, I think that people start. It's normalized now, where yep. people just think that's how things are written. Mm -hmm. So so it's there are people who are reading that now who are learning to do it that way. Mm -hmm. They see the, the apostrophe S there for everything. They're like, oh, well, I, that's how you do that. That's how you do the plural then. It's, uh, that's how I'll write from now on. And and now it's getting to the point where just, I mean, it's everybody writes those, those mm -hmm. things. Just, just fucking correct it anyway. When I used to make fun of um, Southern accents when I first moved here, <clears throat> I used to pluralize stores that don't have S's on the end of their name. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Kroger's. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go to Walmart's. <laughs> I'm going to go to Publix's. Uh, like Wendy's as a brand has an S. Yes. And it even has an apostrophe. <laughs> yeah. But Kroger does not. No. <clears throat> Barnes and Nobles does not. No. Yeah. But if you, but I once argued with somebody about Kroger's because they were talking, it's colloquially, this is how everybody says it. Well, I was like, well, is there an apostrophe there? Well, yes, because Kroger owns the store. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Kroger's, Kroger's yeah, store. It is, yeah. Oh, man. Actually, I was going to bring up a thing. You were talking about shorthand. 
you remember when I uh, record that movie called Star Chamber with Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. where he's a judge that gets frustrated that people go free and he mm-hmm. joins this underground. By the way, modern Congress people have been referring to things as a star chamber behind closed doors. It's mm. a reference. Never heard of the movie until like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Watched a bit of it again the other day. And one of the first cases they take on once he joins this underground court, um, the guy only walked free because the court stenographer was one of those old school types who used his own shorthand. Mm. But he died between the original trial and the appeal trial and nobody could make heads or tails of any of his notes so it was waved a mistrial and the guy went free wow interesting i just thought that was fascinating we're going to get to a point where medical shorthand by one doctor gets you killed by the doctor four floors up who doesn't understand it we had to call we had to page some of these residents and and say like what did you mean by this yeah and that was just in a research Mm -hmm. context so i can only imagine in an er or something where things are critical that's uh it's funny that you brought up the stores and everything i just saw an interview with daniel kaluuya on uh on colbert Hmm. and uh and he's talking about this queen and slim movie that he's that he's doing oh yeah and uh and uh he's talking about like how he went to research what his character in ohio would be doing and he's like and he worked at a costco's and and daniel kaluuya is is british and Uh he's like it's a costco's and uh colbert's like well the 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 name of the store is costco (laughs) he goes no that can't be right he's like that's not not right it's it's costco's it's costco's and and uh, and he just kept on like he just kept saying he kept saying it without even being corrected but a lot of people were uh were pointing out that in great britain there's a store that's a lot that's got a name like costco's and it's got an s Ah. on the end of it and they thought that he might be confusing with that one Ah. whatever but that's just funny how we do put we add (laughs) s's to things sometimes yeah it's got such a perfect american accent yeah oh geez no shit i mean that like we've talked about people who can nail it but like every once in a while they'll screw up a little bit He's, he's it's just so much easier perfect. for British people to do us than it is for us to do them. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I mean I've that done, in terms of accents and sexual. I've done <laughs> my share of British people. Mm-hmm. Me too. I have a silly rant. Ooh. Is your rant? A, you, yeah, it's done. Silly rant. Uh, okay. In our in the context of our thing, our thing, our thing. You know this thing you, we do. You remember this the Sopranos, where he's like, uh, where Tony is talking to uh, little Stevie, uh, and he's like, you know. We should be recession proof. And he turns to little Stevie. He's like, "What is recession proof?" And uh, little Stevie's like, "Certain Hollywood movies and our thing." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our thing. We watch a lot of shit. We watch a lot of movies. We watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of stuff. Right? I can't keep up with all this stuff. I can't keep up with the Mandalorian and the Crown and and all the other Netflix stuff and all the other Prime stuff and the Fleabag and Maisel and the fucking all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, it's okay, Beard. Everything is fine. You can't watch everything. Mm-hmm. Then you go out and hang out like I did with with a, a family, friend family. And I'm talking to the dad. And he's like, yeah, man, I watched all that shit. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? He's got like a normal job. He's got two kids. And like he lives an otherwise normal life. Goes to work out and shit. How do you have time to see all this shit? I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't get it either. I don't. Well, you don't. And I think that may be sort of their hope is that you, because you don't have time, you will begin to ally yourself with one streaming brand yeah. at, over others. Well, I'm going to watch the original Netflix stuff because Stranger Things was awesome. Mm. Disney's certainly hoping that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just, you know, I just wait. 
Uh, I wait for it to, if I don't jump on it, like a Watchmen on HBO, I have mm-hmm. not watched yet. That's another one. But I saw Dicer tweeting that it was the best show on TV right now, hands down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's probably true. Dicer's not, you know, he doesn't spread those kind of praisings around. Like, he, you know, he's pretty mm-hmm. even keeled. Uh, now, granted, I don't ha- I still don't have any interest in watching that show. I will eventually because yeah, yeah. it's apparently great, but I didn't like the movie. Wasn't a big fan of the comic. Um, well, and this show doesn't have much to do with the the comic. Well, I keep reading that it both doesn't and does. It in does that... in the way that they like the look. I've only seen one episode. I don't have time for this shit either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I watched the first episode, and um, and it has references to the original Watchmen. But I don't think the story... It's in the same timeline, right? Or like the it's same 20 canon? Years later. It's 20 years later because, yeah, they there's they, they don't... The, none of those characters are like showing up. Like Now, this is the first episode. Like, I could be like just now, like there's five episodes and it's like full-blown Watchmen at this point for all I know. But the but, events of the movie happened before yes, the events of yes. the show happened. I got you. Yes, but I do keep hearing that every episode drops Easter eggs for the hardcore graphic novel fans yes yeah. <laughs> and there like, are well, many i'm not going to be watching for those so i need something more compelling than easter eggs and apparently it's there yeah yeah, yeah. same with his dark materials on hbo bbc God with damn i can't fucking i want to also watch can't handle all this shit but getting back to our tang here <laughs> the the thing about our tang is that we are we are watching something Watching a two-hour movie over a course of about eight hours. That's true. Yeah, that's a different thing than any other thing. Yes. So, uh, like a lot of people who are like, "Man, I'm listening to all these podcasts." Like a friend, Mike, listens to tons of podcasts, and and I'm like, I would probably listen to more, but everything that I do job wise is audio visual. Yeah, and I can't do the same at the same time. So. I mean, if I if I wanted to, I guess I could just put a movie on above the movie that I'm sending. God, <laughs> that would fuck and, with me. Uh, you know, didn't you do something like this at one point? Do what? Watch a movie <laughs> while another movie was going on? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that work? Not very well. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, even even when we're watching movies for the podcast, like mm-hmm. when we're like, hey, you know, I want to watch an extra Tom Hanks movie or something like that. Like it, it seems like you know that's something that we have to do, you know, for an assignment, for for a reason, mm-hmm. rather than just being like, I want to get into this Watchmen thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that we don't. I can't find time to do that. Just kind of like thing. If I if I want to sleep at night. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got a list of shows. It goes back. I, I still haven't watched fucking Stranger Things. It's on yeah, the yeah. list. I know I'm gonna love it, and. It's just waiting. It's waiting for me to have a sudden free three weeks of time, which will probably happen when I'm 70. That's also the good thing, too, though. Right now, things are just the the world. The cloud is your eternal DVR at this point. So you don't have to watch things. We're in of an era where we used to have to record that shit or we had to be there to watch it uh for some of us probably yeah, for a little for a little bit you had to be there to watch it uh like matt Dillon and beautiful girls preach hey, man oh. poor man well yeah <laughs> now you can now you can dvr top chef by the way it's top chef isn't running right now no i'm saying oh. you used to have to watch top chef live right yes and now you now the, i can the, dvr the magic of which is good stepped into the which 20th century well, there's nothing like my wife my wife is going from my wife hasn't um in her library traditionally 
like a living room where she puts all her books. Uh, she has never wanted cable uh, mm. because she thought it would be too dis- too distracting. Uh, so she just we just had a little basic box where she could get you know sixty channels of basic stuff, but no like HBO and mm. and uh, the other day when now we, now we've got a cable box in there and I was flipping channels trying to find something while we were sitting there together and What About Bob came on. Ooh, nice! So we started watching and then I went to go do some writing and I came back in thirty minutes later and she goes, you know, I don't think this channel has commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, wow. welcome, welcome to having the movie channels. Yeah. There's also cussing in this version. Yeah, you're gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> <There's cussing. laughs> oh wow! Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels this way. Yeah, I mean, I think everything at this point is like if you've got time and and it's like, oh, okay, I've got, I I heard that this was good. The great thing is, is if you've missed several seasons, you can watch the whole series if you want to, and you don't have to do what all those other you know chuds did when they watched (laughs) it. uh, You know. So, uh, so do we have any recommends and warrants? Totes amaze balls. There, great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Uh, I got one of each. Do it. Um, uh, let's let's start out with this. The most the most pressing discussion topic for me is the 1997 Robert Duvall movie, The Apostle. Oh yeah. Now. <clears throat> Have you ever seen it? Yes. Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw okay. it when it came out. Me too. Mm-hmm. As I recalled this movie, when I saw it in 97, I built it actually at my movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a preacher who screwed up and then goes on a journey to reconnect with God. Mm. That was sort of my recollection of this. No, he's a fucking asshole the whole movie. <laughs> I hated this movie. This, he, his wife cheats on him, Farrah Fawcett. Um, cheats on him. He's the pastor of basically a mega church, and through the disruption here, she's also plotted to get him ousted from being a preacher. He goes drinking, shows up at his son's little league game. You know, never mind the fact that Duvall's seventy-two <laughs> and he has an eight-year-old playing little league. Mm-hmm. Um, but he shows up drunk. Want to see my beauties? Got to see my beauties. Gets in a fight with the dude that she had the affair with, and clocks him with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. He later dies. Mm-hmm. But Duvall. Oh, he knows he's in big trouble, so he just goes off on the run. And you're like, okay, that's kind of messed up. He's still talking, but thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Guide my way, Jesus. The whole movie, he's acting as though Jesus is right next to him, at just turning a blind eye to all the shit he does. <laughs> Pushes his car in a river to hide the evidence, and just reinvents himself as like a bayou radio preacher, right? Uh-huh. And eventually, the radio audience grows big enough, he finds a little church, calls himself the Apostle E.F., Right. And then some drunk guy comes to the church. He beats the shit out of him in front of the church because that's what preachers who are walking with Jesus do. Mm -hmm. Then he walks home a single lady who's in his church. Keep in mind, he's not even divorced yet. (laughs) Walks home this single lady and basically begs her to fuck him. Oh, shit. At her front door, he's like, I'm a man. You're a woman. That thing's the natural. Kisses her. And she's like. Oh, uh, maybe tomorrow. And he's like, let me come in and I'll tell you what EF stands for in my name. And she's like, oh, another time. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. The whole movie. And then the cops finally catch up to him um, because his wife hears an AM radio broadcast from two states over, like crossing <laughs> over with her radio signal. Uh, and they arrest him. Uh, I was really, really annoyed with this movie because the only reason I rewatched it was... 
I I thought it had more to say. My memory of it was that it had more to say about redemption or falling from grace. When in reality, I think he's an asshole when the movie starts. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's walking with God at all. And it became this portrait of a hypocrite. I was thought I thought about Kanye West more than anybody when I was watching mm. this movie about a guy who says all the right phrases, but in his heart, I'm not sure it's matching up with what he's saying. There. Mm. Um, also, if you remember this movie, you probably remember a pale, skinny white kid who comes to the church and is very enamored with the apostle and cries when he gets arrested. Hmm. Walton Goggins. Really? Which I did not expect. Really? Yep. I'm just watching this movie hmm. and it's teenage Walton Goggins. Wow. Crazy. Everybody else in the church is black, basically. Um, oh, yeah. Although, what? Is, is Goggins playing a teenager? Because I don't think he is a teenager at that point. No, I think he's playing a man in his early 20s. And mm. I'm, I'm exaggerating yeah, when yeah, I call yeah. him teenage Goggins. But I didn't remember him because i didn't know who he was when i saw this movie and mm. i don't think he was a household name. duvall directed it right i think he did yeah and it, it even got some awards buzz uh he may have been nominated uh dude i don't remember the specifics like that until now but i remember feeling the same way like why am i rooting for this motherfucker yeah there is no reason to yes and, I, and maybe ultimately we, that's the point i that, don't know that kind of character is so like Robert Duvall, like he seems like in real life, yeah. That like I I I don't tend to find him appealing as a person, yeah. <laughs> just in interviews, so I don't really want to see that on screen either. Like you see that in like the Will Ferrell kicking and screaming, yeah. it was in that Four Christmases thing where he's just playing an asshole, yeah. And it's like, and then you see him in in interviews, he's acting like an asshole. It's like, yeah. all right, yeah. dude, Duvall, just be an Duvall was nominated for an Oscar, for, yeah, for uh, acting. In and you know what? His acting is fine. That's mm-hmm. not the problem I had. The problem I had was that that the character was not redeemable in the beginning. Right. So fall from grace doesn't work, and the character's not redeemable at the end. By the end of it, isn't he like rebaptizing himself or some uh, goes in the water? And he all does that? a baptism with everybody, but he actually ba- rebaptizes himself. Uh, earlier on in the oh, movie early and, on. and acts like okay now I, I i did bash that guy in the head with a baseball bat and i'm running from the law <laughs> but I, I i rebaptized so I'm, I'm good to go the preacher says all my sins are forgiven mm-hmm. it was just it was really fucking creepy hearing him say things that i've heard well-meaning preachers say yeah. with good intent but to know it's coming from the lips of this guy who's a murderer and a sexual creepy guy. And <laughs> sexual creepy guy. And you just beat up guys that come to your church drunk? That's is there, what you do? Is there, a, is there a way of looking at this movie and saying that was his point the whole time? I'm sure if Dicer were here, he would tell me that. Okay. I'm not sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw Dicer under the bus. Uh, but I he, am. He tends to find merit in movies that, <laughs> where I do not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe. Maybe that was his point, was that maybe he was making some kind of searing condemnation of um, phony preachers. I mean, I, I do think it, when you're making that point, it should be clearer in mm-hmm. the movie uh, that that's the point that you're making. But it seems like that's one of those things that, you know, if you asked him like, oh, yeah, I mean, no, if you know preachers that I know that they're all like this or they all share some sort of one of these traits mm-hmm. or you know, something like that. But I don't remember liking it too much because it just didn't, it wasn't, I don't know, exciting or it was boring. It's definitely, it's slow as fuck. Yeah. Um, and, and I get that. I think the reason I went to see it back in the day was that I was new into movies and it was an awards contender mm-hmm. and I was trying to see all of those types of films. But 
Maybe I just gave it more credit back then than it deserved. Yes. <laughs> Duvall had sort of a godlike status in he my did. mind. He did, but, yeah. But man, it pissed me off watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a movie that came out earlier this year that I uh, um, have on in the collection. And I was like, this is a movie. This would, I mean, no matter what, I end up, uh, if I want to watch it, it's going to be either a huge recommend or it's going to be a huge wreck of warn. It can't be in between. Uh, I don't, and it may be a warn too. <laughs> But it's not going to be one of those where I watch it and it's one of those ambivalent yeah, movies yeah. where you're just like, yeah, well, that was just a movie. But Cold Pursuit. Ah! <laughs> Liam Neeson's and uh, the Rossums, right? Uh, yeah, Liam Neeson, Emmy Rossum, um, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other big... Uh... Herc from The Wire, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's like the bodyguard of the bad guy that's who, right. who tries uh, to get fantasy uh, football. Dominic Lombardozzi is yeah. his name. <laughs> he tries to get fantasy football advice from the kid, yeah. and the kid's like, you have five Cleveland Browns on your team. And yeah. he's like, hey, I gotta support the home team, and the kid's like, I can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess uh, uh, Laura Dern is. Yeah, the... Laura Dern's oh, like yeah. in it for like Brief. ten minutes, like not even that. Does she get? No, 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 oh, no, no. Um, like how you did the Don Cheadle kill Thanos thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the this yeah. or whatever. <laughs> the, uh, but no, there, there's she. She's married to Liam Neeson, and uh at the very beginning of this movie he's getting an award for being the citizen of the year of this place called kehoe mm-hmm. and uh and and so like they we know that they have this grown son who's going off to do a who's doing a job at the airport and while he is getting this award his son and a buddy he works with at the airport they get kidnapped and taken into a van one of the guys gets out while while it uh while the, they're driving the van down the road but liam neeson's kid does not get out of it and this movie every time someone dies they put a title card up and with a little cross on it yeah and then the character's name so the first one that dies is this kid kyle coxman i think <laughs> is i so the coxman thing gets a lot of mileage in this uh, they don't tell like lots of jokes or anything but uh but but they they they're always like making a you know point to say the name and saying ha laugh forever when i heard that so his son his son is dead uh they uh they go to uh identify the body he and Laura Dern and uh that it looks like it's been staged to where he was on he had a drug overdose and and uh Liam Neeson's like oh, my son was not a druggie <laughs> and they're like well that's what all <laughs> this is all in the trailer which is hilarious yeah, the, uh, it's like the the parent the, the the investigators are like well that's what all the parents say and he says that he was not a druggie he keeps saying druggie druggie <laughs> over and over again um and uh and so he is i don't i don't i didn't really understand this i thought this was a bad choice apparently this his son dying puts him on a on a path where he wants to kill himself and oh it's not a taken situation where no uh, okay and uh and and just it's eerily like the gray where he does this exact same thing yep he stands this rifle up and he's uh, he's sitting down and he's Mm. about to do it but the guy who uh got away is in the garage when this happens Hmm. and he tells him yeah this is what happened this is who you need to go after and everything this guy named speedo everybody's got a nickname yeah Yeah. it's kind of annoying yeah yeah everybody's got a nickname viking viking is the main drug dealer guy uh 
this guy Speedo is the guy who was uh, instrumental in the kidnapping. So Neeson, of course, as Neeson does, goes and finds this guy at a bar, beats the fuck out of him. Mm -hmm. Um, Tells, asks him if there's anybody else he needs to know about. Of course, everybody before they get killed gives him one other name. name. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> and uh and so like he's like uh he said Speedo says something before he dies and then we have the title card. This guy died. And and, and so that it's seems like, very distracting. They're all like divided. It's almost like they're divided into chapters. You it's know? a very stylized film. Really? For sure. I would not have guess that no and it's like there's a whole like native american like mafia angle so this is how it goes it's very pulpy it's a pulpy kind of action b movie yeah uh so when he kills he kills three different drug dealer guys uh looking for the main guy that he wants the main guy and uh he ends up talking to his brother william forsyth uh about where he can find this other guy and then it starts getting into this whole thing. Well, you're not going to be able to find that guy, but you can hire somebody to do that for you. And then they get some other guy like mixed up in all of this. Um, but when he kills those three guys, the guy Viking, who's the head of this drug, uh, I don't know, business or whatever, believes that it has to be these Native Americans that his father dealt with when he was younger. They've sort of, I guess, many years ago decided this is your territory. This is mine. And he thinks it's the native Americans. He goes after and he kills the, the main guy's son and like hangs him over a, like a, a mileage sign. It's a street sign on the, on the highway. He's like hanging there. Like, like a, what? Yeah. Like a straw man. (laughs) Scarecrow. 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 Yeah. But like, look, I killed your boy and I'm going to hang him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> this movie is so fucking watchable. I, I mean, really? I think it's bad, but there's, I love watching it. There's just so many insane like turns they keep taking with everything. <laughs> like, in like, you know, uh, it, it's the type of movie where it's like two guys can't be just hitmen; they have to be gay lover hitmen. Oh. Um, they always sprinkle these details, like, like this. This is all way more interesting than you think it is. Type of thing to every situation. Yeah. How does Emmy so, Rossum? Fit so they, so there, she and this old dude who I believe is also from The Wire. Oh, he is. Um, I can't remember what his character oh, name was. Shit. Uh, but uh, he was one of those many like suit guys that would come in into the wire and be like you guys gotta clean up baltimore um (laughs) and uh but he she's she's with that guy and then of course they're in a small town where not much happens in fact at the very beginning of when we first see her she wants to bust some guys who are smoking weed outside and the older guy is like this we're 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 enforcing community guidelines here do you really think that people care about people smoking weed it's legal here you don't have to you don't have to go through with all this but she's like you know wanting to she really wants to go after people when she finds out that three people on this one side of a drug overlord business are dead and this other guy was killed in retaliation she starts asking questions about 
you know, what, what's the deal with them and everything. And then she's got a boyfriend in Denver who gives him info, gives her information as long as he, she can keep like, like leading them on. Basically. Yeah. He's promising him sex that she doesn't intend to get. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. It's uh, the head of the homicide division is who that guy was. Uh, his name is John Dornan. Don- yeah. Donan. Yeah. Doman. He's the guy that gets, uh, fuck. He's the guy that gets Dominic. Um, West uh stuck on the boat duty by asking him where don't you want to go yeah 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 um so yeah she's looking into that so she's getting the connection that's the thing though the the all these these drug overlords they have no idea about liam neeson at all it takes a little bit of connections for to to come to light before the drug dealers are even uh, even realize he's a part of it so yeah, it's a lot of people dying for reasons that they don't, you know, that really actually aren't, you know, they don't know why they're getting killed a lot of time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then like just upping the ante. It's not as funny as something like shoot 'em up, nope. but it reminds me of something like shoot 'em up. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Now that's that makes me want to watch it. I yeah. love shoot 'em up. Now, it's shoot- trying to have fun more than it necessarily succeeds. Oh, okay. Uh, but there's some funny violence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, they they keep they keep upping the ante on everything, and so in the end, Cold Pursuit, it's it's a movie that I can't I can't fully on recommend. I can't <laughs> fully on warn, so it's a wreck of warn. All right. Uh, but it's it's you're gonna have fun watching it. All right. Yeah, I'm exactly. sold. I had a blast, but I'm pretty sure it's not a good movie. So he is a plower. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He- yeah, he's Mr. Mr. Plow. Mr. Plow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a great amount of detail uh, t- t- spoken between him and the bad guy's son about the plows. Yeah, there's a point where Liam Neeson kidnaps the, the drug lord's son. That's how far we get. In the- but he's nice. <laughs> he's nice to him because yeah. he's a good kidnapper. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. But there's a whole point where he, like, he wants to get a, he read a story and he reads him a like uh, an instruction book for a snow plow <laughs> or, a, or yeah. a, like a spec spec thing for a, for a plow. Oh, is he a small child? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Liam Neeson's like, I had one of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about the snow plow and <laughs> yeah. the thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, All right, I'm on board now. That's an excellent one. Very good record yeah. warn. Oh, uh, I've got a I've got I've got a very weird record warn. Okay, Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah. Mm. Came out in 1990 based on a book from Tom Wolfe. Mhm. Um, and this is probably Tom Wolfe's most famous book. Um, and it's all about the super, super, super upper class and what they do to, uh, to keep their, 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 their empire going, mm-hmm. right? Well received book. Everybody loved it. So they make it into a movie. <laughs> Brian fucking De Palma mm-hmm. makes this movie. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, no. a long time ago. Okay. I had never seen this movie. Uh, but I, but, the only thing that I've heard about this movie is that it's fucking terrible. It's mm-hmm. a garbage fire. Like, it's just the worst thing ever. And then I look at the cast list. It's Tom Hanks, top build. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Cattrall. And Melanie Griffith. And all these things. It's just a ridiculous uh, 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 cast. Morgan Freeman is in this. Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, then there's, uh, you know, so it's, it's got a great cast. F. Murray Abraham is in this. F. Murray Abraham uh, plays a, a district attorney. And, and and so I go into this with the lowest of expectations mm-hmm. to watch it. It's a fun watch. It's not the best movie in the world, but it's fun as hell. 
this is one of those movies that you file under the ishtar file right where ishtar is not nearly as bad as it's been uh, portrayed it's it's mainly because of the star power and the money that went behind it and how big of a movie it was supposed to be and then when it comes out nobody goes to see it and yeah. nobody likes it really where they expect a lot and they don't get what they want like ishtar is like that it's it's not a good movie but it's not worst movie of all time no. which is what a lot of times people were saying and bonfire the vanities is one of these movies that had ultra budget biggest one of the biggest directors hanks willis i mean they should have they should have like destroyed on this movie yeah yeah but they they uh you know here it is it's a fucking product of its time so 1990 the the really kind of the the start of the fall of the yuppie uh wall street class and all that stuff at that point nobody really wants to to watch something like that because ultimately and i think it's a stylistic choice from brian de palma and i appreciated it hanks's character is this upper crust like super wall street guy uh, playing against type very much mm -hmm. at the beginning of this but because he's tom hanks he is ultimately redeemed in this movie uh for for a pretty awful act uh and and i could see people first of all like fans of the books thinking that this is hedging their bet um the people that hadn't read the book thinking like what why did why watch this story like what what happened to this guy what was the arc that kind of thing uh and 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 just kind of like people being done with that sort of glorification of the upper upper class i i don't care i want to watch this i want to see good actors act good and uh you know there's a there's a lot of like this behind the scenes stuff that went on f murray abraham hated this movie so much and he wanted like top top billing so he's uncredited he took his credit off of this wow. there were stories about how bruce willis was just an absolute nightmare to work with mm -hmm. uh he's yeah. exactly he's terrific in this movie though he's a character that kind of is the narrator that kind of floats off on the side so it's per fine you know that's perfectly fine this movie opens with a one shot you may have seen this like on youtube or something like that uh about a six minute one shot of Bruce Willis arriving to this event. He's a writer. And he's arriving to this event and he's the keynote speaker and he's super wasted. He's drunk. He's grabbing women. He's grabbing food. He's grabbing drinks and stuff like that. It is glorious. It is a beautiful shot to open up and it really, really hammers home how artistically interesting this movie is going to be. And it really is. It's not perfect. Morgan Freeman has this character that goes into like a sermon at the end, which is which is weird and like, you know, out of nowhere. But but it's a fun watch. I'll tell you what, De Palma has got some misses on his resume for me, but all his movies look rad as hell. Yeah. The man knew how to shoot. I was watching Scarface again the other night. Yeah. And that's a movie that looks great. Yeah. Even if you don't like it, like it's just beautifully shot. The colors are great. Like all of the, uh, the the set pieces are great, you know, and uh, this is this is a movie that I'm glad I went back to. Uh, it's Tom Hanks in this period, right around like nothing in common. We'll talk about it in a second, but like nothing in common and this and, uh, you know, the volunteers and stuff like that started to show like a little bit more range. Mm -hmm. And then he went kind of back to broad comedy. But uh, this is I like this Hanks. Thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel good about this Hanks. Yeah. All right, everybody, it is time to talk about Mubi, Mubi once again. Mubi. And uh, there are some very interesting titles on there right now. Um, you, what, are you, what, are you, what did you watch on there, Barrett? Man, you know I'm a sucker for French stuff. <clears throat> and uh, there's, this, there's this series that I didn't know existed. You remember the movie The Artist? 
the yeah. silent movie with yeah. Jean Dujardin. Yeah. So he apparently does other things where he can actually <laughs> he talk. He does other things. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this this spy spoof in France in the the late like 2009. Uh, well, actually, it started in 2006, and then there was a sequel in 2009 of like a James Bond spoof, Austin Powers type of thing, except it's Jean Dujardin as a Bond character, and it's in French. Mm-hmm. And Austin, I, I love Austin Powers. I think there's a lot of fun to be had with Austin Powers. But it's obvious that, you know, Mike Myers can't really play it middle ground. It's it's all the way or nothing at all. Uh, and this one is more subversively funny. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'll it'll say like uh, like uh, there, there'll be a character that's revealed later on. And he's like the spy, like a James Bond spy. And he's like, oh, no, I thought you were dead. And he was like, no, I am not. And he was like, but I thought you were dead. And he's like, as you can see, I am here. And he's like, but you were dead. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's played with this wonderful, like, deadpan humor uh, from this guy. I mean, it it is really, really funny. Less overtly comedic as uh, as an Austin Powers thing, uh, but still super funny. There's one point where they're in, like, a chicken farm, and they start, instead of, like, shooting at each other they're throwing chickens at each other <laughs> but it's called the series is called OSS 117 uh that's his his like 007 type of thing mm-hmm. and uh the 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 first one is called Nest of Spies and the second one is Lost in Rio which looks like it's even upping the camp on it and stuff like mm-hmm. that this is delightful you would totally love this yeah mm, i think okay. you would love it too mm. all right well i'll have to give that a, have a give that a look at some point then um i watched a movie from Bhutan Ooh, Bhutan. Yes, Bhutan. Just Uh, north of of, uh, India. Northeast India in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Honey Giver Among the Dogs, and I'm not going to even try the original title. Um, (laughs) In Bhutanese. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but uh, it's a a mystery. It's a really well-done mystery uh, about... um, a uh it's about a in this village where an abbot an abbess ab, the woman who who runs an abbey an abbess abbess yes i think so yeah uh uh there is reason to believe that she has has been murdered because they because there are witnesses that say that she's been pushed off of a cliff so these uh policemen uh come out to in, interrogate basically the entire village and everybody has the same answer it's probably this one woman who came in a couple of years ago. She's a demoness, and mm. she is, but she's very beautiful and and everything. Of course, yes. <laughs> and uh, and so everybody's got the same answer. Uh, there is this one uh, mom and her daughter live together uh, close to where this uh, this woman. They call her uh, Choden or Choden or something like that throughout the movie. Uh, she is being, uh, she's sort of hiding out close to where this house is. And the little girl knows this, this woman that they're talking about. And, uh, it doesn't seem like she's a demoness at all. She's Mm. very nice. In fact, it doesn't Mm. seem like that at all. Uh, and, uh, finally the, the main policeman guy comes up and, and asks them, you know, do you know anything about this? And the little girl says, I think I know where she is. Mm. And so, so you're like, well, why is she giving her the information? I thought she was uh, protecting this woman or whatever. So she's going to be on a bus to this town. You want to go, you want to be on that bus when it goes, gets on the bus and she is on this bus. And then she approaches him mm-hmm. out of nowhere and says, uh, I'm in a lot of trouble. Would you mind walking with me to this town instead of being on the bus? 
So there's a big long thing where they're walking and walking, and he he you know he agrees to do this, and then uh, he goes. Finally, he's like, "Well, what is the trouble?" And of course, he knows what the trouble is, but he's like, "What is the trouble?" She won't answer. Hmm. She keeps giving him these parables and stories about you know religious figures through time and everything, and then halfway through the movie, they get to their destination, and he continues to look for the answers and everything, and that's where I'll stop. Hmm. Uh, but it is, uh, it, it's not one of these movies. It's, it sounds like it's going to be some mystical, like dreamlike. It is a little bit dreamlike. It sounds like it's going to be one of these things that take you down a road where you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what the hell happened in this movie or whatever. It's pretty straightforward. Hmm. Uh, at that point, there is some mystical in it, hmm. but, uh, it's pretty straightforward at that point. Very well done mystery. And I would, I would compare it to something like Chinatown. Oh. Uh, it's got some of the same elements of Chinatown. In Incest. It. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's all about it's all about that. There you go. As we all remember, Chinatown was just nothing about incest. In fact, they sh- they they were calling it that at one point. Oh, like <laughs> found it on uh, find it on Incestopedia. <laughs> It's something I'm going to know. Oh, man. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff on movie right now. There is. There is a lot of good stuff. And we would like to share it with you. Yes. And in a way that doesn't cost you any ducats, at least in the start. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. right. Uh, You will, you know, fair warning, you'll become addicted uh, after this 30 days. Because if you go to mubi.com, M-U-B-I.com slash CinemaSins, it's 30 days free. Yeah. Free. (laughs) <laughs> uh and then you'll you'll have this exposure to these wonderful cinematic nuggets uh it'll be it's it, the one movie is replaced every day by a new movie so you've got a possibility of seeing up to 60 movies in this 30-day span you're gonna love it man there's there's like a a chunk of uh movies uh going into the back catalog of isabelle huper Uper, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. uh and i can't wait to dive into that one of them is directed by michael haneke yeah yeah uh which is just something i need to wrap my mind around yep. and, uh, you gotta be prepared that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a situation that yeah. you get to. <laughs> but but it's something that i wouldn't be exposed to probably outside of movies so go to movie.com slash cinema sins and you get 30 days free and you're gonna love it and you're gonna thank us and let us know when you do it and and we'll say that's awesome All i right. wonder if we shouldn't go right into hanks and do this just for time purposes, as I'm opposed to doing another round. If, if you guys want to... Yeah, I think we should, probably, because Tom Hanks has a huge, uh, huge talent! <laughs> um, uh, no, he's got a he's got a, uh, a number of movies that we could talk about for a long time, probably. <laughs> uh, the first one on this list is He Knows You're Alone. I've never seen this. This is a horror movie that uh, was the first thing that, that, that Hanks ever did on uh, as a movie. Okay. Did you yeah. ever see it? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I did see this one, Mazes and Monsters. You know, this is the reefer madness of Dungeons and Dragons. They're making, (laughs) right? They're, they're making this board game to be insidious, right? Yes. Oh, wow. This, this is an unironic reefer madness is Dungeons and Dragons. Like, that's how bad, that's how they're, they're like, people can get into these Dungeons and Dragons games and they can actually think they're the character and that they're fighting dragons. That's what happens to people. They get addicted to this stuff. I haven't seen it in forever, so maybe it's not nearly as ridiculous as I remember it. But I think it's as ridiculous as I remember. It sounds like it. Sounds like it is. Yeah. I actually, after I wrote this up, 
I thought I had never seen it, but I remember seeing this. I think it was a TV movie. It was, yeah. Uh, but I remember seeing it like years later. It has a uh, young Margaret Collin in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then we have Splash, movie I saw a hundred million times back in the day. Anything from 1984 that managed to find its way on HBO <laughs> in like 1985, I've seen this a hundred million times. Uh, Daryl Hannah plays the uh, the mermaid that comes out of the of the water and that merman, yeah, merman, it's a merman, <laughs> and uh, and Hanks uh uh sort of shelters in his apartment until he figures out he, he thinks he, he I think he just know thinks she's a lost she's lost at first. Okay, and doesn't know doesn't know she's a mermaid, right? Because she becomes she has legs. When Even she comes though they on, right? had some childhood thing where he was under the water and yeah, kissed yeah, a mermaid yeah. and all that, he doesn't know about her mermaidness until like later on. I think until she gets in a bath or she like gets she, in a tub. But I yeah. don't know if it's that scene that 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 uh, tips it off. The water activates her fishy tail. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whips, whips back with her fishy tail. Uh, uh, I have never seen this movie. Oh my god! Really? I think you would like this. I probably would, but it was definitely off limits when I was growing up. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a scene. Uh, this is a very PG thirteen nudity in this. Mm-hmm. Daryl Hannah walks walks onto uh, Ellis Island like completely naked. Uh, oh, is that where it is? I yeah, think yeah. it's I think it's Ellis Island. Or it's just where Statue of Liberty is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's a it's a butt shot as she walks to like everybody's looking at the Statue of Liberty and everything, and it's like this is naked woman who doesn't care at all. Oh, she's a mermaid, and God damn daryl hannah like in this movie in particular she's beautiful anyway Mm. but like this is where i blossomed into the man that that's right that's right she's a fine filly uh (laughs) my first boy girl thing was for you (laughs) but um well maybe he does i don't know i can't that's the one thing i've seen i saw this a million times back in 1985 (laughs) but i haven't seen it really much since uh he does find out fairly soon because he's going around teaching her things right and right and or maybe but maybe though he thinks that she's foreign yes i think, I think that's, that's the case. what it is and so like everything that she she goes up to a walk sign and she's like pretty yeah. and and he, and he, you know like all these things she gets really fascinated by tvs mm-hmm. and everything um eugene levy plays the villain yeah yeah that's fun <laughs> there's uh johnny candy's in this yeah john too. candy i think is his best friend in mm-hmm. this uh splash is good i yes. haven't seen it forever it's ron howard ron, yeah ron, little ronnie howard yeah little, little ronnie howard. Howard. uh then we have bachelor party which i believe came out the same year yep uh I'd n- i've never seen bachelor party <gasps> really <gasps> no. i fucking love this movie now this is I saw, this is a little bit off the topic, but there was a thing going around on Twitter where it was Shia LaBeouf and Kristen Stewart talking on the new Inside the Actor Studio. Mm-hmm. And they were, to, Kristen Stewart was talking about hands and how she really loved hands and they're very spiritual. And Shia LaBeouf's like, oh yeah, totally. No, it, and, and, and when you were holding that gun in that movie and stuff like that. And the caption was like, this is if two lines of cocaine could have a conversation (laughs) (laughs) and this movie bachelor party is like a movie version of just a line of cocaine Mm -hmm. it's hilarious though it is absolutely it's it's the stereotypical 80s bachelor party thing you know booze drugs donkeys uh, uh sound like stefan right yeah. <laughs> strippers uh you know porn shit like that 
And Hanks is just absolutely unleashed, and it's fucking great. I think it's Tawny Katane is oh, yeah? the uh, is is his fiance in this, mm-hmm. and it's it makes no apologies for being uh, just absolutely lewd on both sides, the males and the females. And it's fuck, it's just this is like like you say a warm blanket. Mm-hmm. This is a warm blanket for me. It's very hard R. It's this this you will have a good time watching. Mm-hmm. Um. A movie that I remember seeing uh, the title of many times, but I don't think I ever saw it, was The Man with One Red Shoe. Ooh, yeah. And this is a, some, isn't it like the CIA is after him mm-hmm. or something like that? I, I never saw it, I don't think. This is uh, Dabney Coleman, I think, uh, is the is the bad guy. <clears throat> and uh, is it uh, Carrie Fisher? Yeah, Carrie Fisher's in this. Um, he's a concert violinist, and he gets mistaken uh, for, for a spy. And they get into all kinds of like uh, tomfoolery, and it's very good. It's like a little more dramatic than he's done up until this point. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's got some slapstick in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's I remember it being good. All right, uh, we are going to get into something. Where, we are going to get into a stretch here where I have not missed a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, but yeah. there's I, little stretches. But like this little this little spot right here, I, I missed most of this stuff. I never saw Volunteers either. Oh, I saw it once, but uh i remember feeling like I, this was actually within the last 10 years mm-hmm. and i remember thinking the comedy didn't hold up very well no it's not very good i always thought of this as like hanks's version of stripes and mm-hmm. i always thought it was it was shittier because he's he's with the peace corps he's not like signing up for the military or whatever like he's a like a erudite dude with a lot of money uh from his family and he enlists in the peace corps and learns lessons about life and love <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not very good though uh then now we're gonna get into a big stretch of stuff that i've seen the money pit uh this movie is ridiculous (laughs) i mean it's great it's fun it's like it's a tom hanks showpiece Mm -hmm. but like they buy that is he and shelly long buy this house that you know they're like oh it's a little fixer up or it won't they buy it obviously dirt cheap Mm -hmm. but it's the most fixing up in this house that can stand upright <laughs> when you first walk into it yep. that there is like yep. like it's amazing that it doesn't fall apart as soon as they walk in <laughs> as many things that happens in this movie well that's the great joke is that it's in good shape when they go out there and it's this uh this widow uh this wealthy widow who's wants to move to the the uh, the tropics or whatever and she's like i just wanted my husband just died i just want to get out and they go through and like she's driving him around with the car like an old rolls royce and everything and it it's going perfectly well he walks up the stairs and he's like i feel a little creak in the stairs and she's like oh i'll get that fixed that kind of thing and like everything looks fine and then as soon as she leaves and they move in everything fucking falls yeah yeah fucking great uh it has one of my all-time favorite moments in it and that is so many things have already gone wrong and then the bathtub falls through the fucking floor (laughs) and all we see is the we see a shot from down below of hanks away above where the the tub used to be and shelly long looking down into this hole and hanks just kind of going ha 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 <laughs> and just keeps going and going. <laughs> the best part, he did a perfect impression. The best part is where he lets out that out. He's like, <laughs> 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 
Nobody can do it. This guy is just absolutely. I mean, the, his reactions to all of this shit. There's one part where the chimney, like he lights the chimney, and the chimney just falls through, and he starts like just following it down. He's like, "Hey, look at this!" <laughs> yeah, fucking great. Yeah, uh, and then there's like a whole thing too towards the end where like. Uh, like somebody does, says they're going to fix it for them or oh, something. Yeah. Does he have to do? He has to do something, right? Well, the 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 crew that they get is one of those classic contractors that show up when they want to show up. Yeah, and they show up and they fuck up the house even more. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, "Well, we'll be done in two weeks." And he's like, "What? Two weeks?" And then it takes them, you know, a year or something like that. Meanwhile, Shelley Long is also a concert violinist, mm-hmm. and she's dating Alexander Diehard. Uh, oh yeah, dude who played Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good enough. Uh, that's probably right. But he's f- hilarious in this. Yeah, good enough. Wow, how about that? Yeah, he's a classic ballet dancer or something. No, like he's that. the conductor. No, no, no. He in real life, he was like a classic really? ballet dancer. Or wow, like wow. Well, he's hilarious in this. Shelley Long is very, very funny. In this. Yeah, yeah. Height uh, of her cheers, fame. Yes, I love this movie. This mm-hmm. I've seen this movie probably as many times as you saw Splash, mm-hmm. but like more consistently over my life. It's one of those that I could probably like run through the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, nothing in common. Uh, this movie's not very good. You didn't like it? No. Did you ever see What is it? Nothing in common. This is uh, Tom Hanks and Jackie Gleason. Never saw it. Oh, Uh, Gleason's his dad. Yeah, Gleason's his dad, although there's there's hardly anything between Hanks and Gleason throughout the whole movie until, like, towards the end. There's a couple of scenes, but this movie's all over the place. Um, It starts off... So he's an advertising exec, and, and, like, he's trying to get this airline uh that's uh, i can't remember that dude's name but it's him and his daughter Celia ward mm-hmm. are, who run this colonial airlines mm-hmm. and uh and uh he's trying to get this uh trying to get this um you know this contract and he's hanging out with dude uh throughout a week doing activities and stuff he ends up uh you know betting down Celia ward Celia Ward actually goes and straight up tells his, her, her dad that that's what they did. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, my daughter tells me everything. Don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and, um, and so, like, that's his main thing. But meanwhile, his dad is like this was used to be this big time salesman. He's still he's at the very end of his sales sales career. And he's waiting for these it's clothing, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, he's. um. And he's uh he's obviously not got it anymore, but he's also like suffering from diabetes and everything. Uh he he's he just can't sell anything anymore. He gets fired, all that, and he's being divorced. He's he and his wife, mm-hmm. Eva Marie Saint. That's right. Ooh. Uh are uh are getting divorced or they've been they're separated. Mm-hmm. And uh and so like Hank spends a lot of time between Gleason and Marie Saint and Celia Ward and uh a former girlfriend played by Bess Armstrong. Oh yeah. Who is awesome. Yeah, uh yeah. and this and she was uh she's uh, my so called life uh, mom. Um and um and uh so there's like there's all these little vignettes throughout where it just, there's no really nothing really coherent about it. Until hmm. the point where Jackie Gleason is officially sick and he has to go and tend to him and everything mm-hmm. and the conflict that that has on his job. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, no, I didn't like this. No, I, I enjoyed it. I think because, and again, we're starting to see a little bit more of, of Hanks's range. And this is where he's like full on leading man, like really taking ownership of a movie, even though the it starts off where he's like almost like a big 
type of character mm-hmm. where he's like a little uh, happy-go-lucky type of uh, character. But then he really, uh, the character finds himself in a position to where he needs to take care of his his parents when they've always taken care of him. And uh, I like that arc. Um, now, it's been a long time since I've seen it all the way feel through. like it should have been a little bit more... Uh that than the seal award yeah thing i love seal award yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can you can put give me seal award all you want but like the the if you're in if your ultimate story is oh his dad gets sick and he needs to make sure that he gives equal time to his dad and his mom and mm. able to juggle all this stuff there's a scene out of nowhere where he's trying to juggle phone calls from everybody because <laughs> the uh, the air, airline's calling him and his firm is calling him and his dad is calling him and his mom is calling him and uh and uh and he's and it, it looks like this big thing that's weighing on him but it does, it's just a montage and it doesn't really mm. impact much uh and it, yeah gary marshall directed yeah, this yeah. directed this movie um but yeah i didn't like it too much but yeah there's some things in it sure he's certainly good in this and, there's a scene at the very beginning where he comes in and he's like he's obviously the the clown of the entire <laughs> uh thing you know hey you're looking good man and there's like a point where there's this there's this one woman that he's just constantly like like you know like joking on and everything she never says a word the entire movie but he comes in he gives her a gift because he's just come from like the bahamas or something and he goes i'm giving you that because you make me laugh you make me laugh and she just sits there just looking at him and everything and then she's going it's that one of those things where you're going around the office i'm a i'm just cutting up i'm cutting up and everything and then you're like man that's funny but i'm wondering would I like that guy in real life? <laughs> uh, I've seen parts of Every Time We Say Goodbye. I'm pretty sure he plays like a soldier that comes back. Yeah, I've never seen it, but yeah, he plays like a, a Gentile soldier that gets involved with a Jewish lady in Jerusalem. Yeah, there's a there's. I remember a line with him. There's a line that I remember from this movie because he used to play it a lot. Uh, where he says something. They, I think the the main woman in there asks him. Uh, what do you think about God and religion? And he goes, I think God would have a lot to answer for if we had a chance to question him mm. and everything like that. Um, also inspired that great pop hit, Every Time You Go Away. Every Time You Go Away. Every you take a you piece go. of me yeah. ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Every Time You Go <laughs> Who was it like Joe Cocker? Who the fuck I is that? I don't know that? who it was. Uh, um, who did? Uh, who did? The Uncle Leo used to cover this all the time. The Uncle band. Leo. The band at the Flying Uncle, Saucer. I know who you meant. Missing just... you. Who did Missing You? Missing you. Oh yeah. Since you've been gone away, well, I ain't missing, missing you at all. That one. So okay. <laughs> this is a diversion. Okay. So missing you is John Waite. Uh, every time you go away is Paul Young. All right, that looks so, like Johnny Depp there. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Then there's Dragnet. I know I've seen Dragnet. It's Hanks and Aykroyd. Dun, I've dun, seen dun, it. Dun, I don't remember a thing about it. And this was the question that they asked when we were doing that movie fights thing. That that we were going the back and forth, and they were like something like between Dragnet and Turner and Hooch or something. And oh. I was like, "Fuck, you're t- asking me about movies I haven't seen in thirty fucking yeah. years." okay and tried to make a coherent argument about one or the other and i just couldn't but anyway dragnet yeah i've seen it i've seen it probably five times do you like it um as long as you follow that up with another question slightly phrased differently yes do you think it's good no okay (laughs) Okay. (laughs) no 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 
Uh, I don't even think they work very well no. as a comedy team. No. They took a show that was not comedy right. and tried to make it... Th- a lot of these movies from older shows have done this. They try and make a comedy out of what used to be a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a weird way, I think you could write out the synopsis for this film, and it, it might sound like a sequel to uh, The Nice Guys in terms of like the time period and the because they're investigating a fucking satanic cult that's, <laughs> that's trying right. to sacrifice a virgin, and they're all wearing <laughs> goat masks and costumes. Um, but no, it's not good at all. But it's very watchable. I think I've quoted it on the podcast before. But my favorite line, probably because I was like 12 uh, when this movie came out, was they're interrogating somebody. Uh-huh. And Tom Hanks says to the guy they're interrogating, it's just you, me, your balls, and this drawer. <laughs> and it cuts to outside the interrogation room and you hear a drawer slam. And like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I never understood this movie because this is Dan Aykroyd in the peak of his, like, you know, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, you know, kind of zany comedy self. And he's playing Joe Friday, like the most straight-laced motherfucker in the history of television. Yeah. And it didn't work at all. And no. you're right, they had zero chemistry. Yeah, and they're not. They're both okay. They're just, they just didn't feel like they... It's the kind of thing where if you told me behind the scenes you heard they didn't get along while yeah. they were making this movie, I would believe Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie that... Uh certainly shot hanks into the stratosphere is big um he was already a an established star but i believe big is what really turned him into what the the tom hanks that we know today um this is a simple story kid wishes to be uh, an adult he has this zoltar machine he he wish he was big and he turns big, but he still has the mind of his 11-year-old Classic self. not using <laughs> enough specific language there in that way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. And uh, what's his name? Josh Baskin? Mm-hmm. Yes. Good call. Yeah. Um, he um, And so he he gets this job at a toy company. Yeah. And, uh, and now all the adults in the room keep coming up with shitty adult ideas for kids' toys. But because he is a kid. He comes up with the great, right. the great stuff. Got like, hey, I don't get it, man. Man, John Hurt is so funny in this movie. <laughs> yeah, flustered yeah. at Tom Hanks because he's the only one that sees it. He's like J.K. Simmons in Terminator Genesis. Yeah, <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yeah. goddamn yeah. grown up kid in a grown up body always <laughs> fucking up my plans. Yeah, um, what? does I he just, get the does he get the job because of the the piano thing with Robert Loja? I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, no. he, he gets invited afterwards, right? No, because there's a whole scene where he has a resume and he goes for an interview and his friend tries to come with him to the interview and he's yeah. like, no, you have to sit here and wait. I think that's after. I mean, I think that's before he goes and plays on the piano. Oh, OK. Because okay. that scene is where the owner of the company. He gets promoted. Realizes yeah, 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 his yeah, yeah. value is mm-hmm. that he can see like and kids see. That scene is one of the most famous scenes of all time. Probably F.A.O. Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, I think it is an FAO Schwartz. It's it's just it's amazing when you watch it the first time because it comes out of really nowhere even if you haven't seen the trailer. But then you don't even expect it when you're watching it in rewatches because he's just kind of wandering and all of a sudden you hear mm-hmm. and he's just, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It's so beautiful. My favorite moment in the whole movie is the dumbest thing, but it's when he goes to that fancy work cocktail party yeah. and he picks up one of those mini corn kernels <laughs> and he eats it with two hands up in his mouth, <laughs> just like you would a regular sized corn of cob. He's like, and then he's like, mm. <laughs> I it. and there's a point where Elizabeth Perkins is like in love with him and he doesn't know anything about romance and relationships and everything. And uh, she keeps on like giving him suggestive language that I'll stay over tonight mm-hmm. and all that. And he goes, he goes. So, so you want to spend the night? Hmm. And she goes, yes. And he goes, he goes, okay. But I get to be on top. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> he means the top bunk. That's right. Uh, and his 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 buddy is this like raunchy fucking you mm-hmm. know kid or whatever. Like <laughs> like talking about looking down girls' dresses and stuff oh, yeah. like. This whole movie is wish fulfillment. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. the giant apartment in fucking uh in downtown manhattan he works at a fucking toy company he's got a trampoline in his yeah, apartment yeah. And, and a, fucking a pepsi bunk- machine <laughs> a pepsi machine <laughs> and a fucking like galaga machine yeah but d- d- I, to me the only reason that this movie works is because of tom hanks if oh, anybody yeah. else in the universe plays this role mm-hmm. i don't think james dean would be good james dean say- <laughs> Yeah, there's probably some dead comic that could have done it better. Really, yeah. uh, this is Penny Marshall, so he worked with Penny Gary Marshall. Marshall and Penny Marshall. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna work with Penny Marshall at least one other time on yep. this list. I yep. wonder if he's ever worked with Rob Marshall. Mm, <laughs> mm, probably. No, I don't think so. Is that who? Is he Chicago? Yes. Yeah, that's a Chicago. <laughs> Uh, punchline. I've seen Punchline a couple of times in, in my life. Uh, this is him trying to be a stand-up comic. Sally Field is someone who's trying to do it behind her husband's back. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of like, uh, I believe there's a bunch of established comics who uh, who for, sort of form the supporting cast. Taylor Negron is in this, I believe. Uh, uh, is that yep. his name? Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, there's a there's a few others who Damon Wayans is Damon Wayans yeah. that's right that's right <laughs> um and uh and it's it's about you know about them like going to these trying basically try a lot of these comics are trying to make it big Sally Field's just trying to do something that she enjoys and that she's trying to get good at and everything she is good and yeah. she is good there is a great moment in Punchline where she's trying to tell a David Berkowitz joke. And Hanks tells her, you have to use Son of Sam. You can't, you can't do Berkowitz. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. So she goes out and does it with Berkowitz and nobody laughs. And she's like, <laughs> she, goes, she has to go on to the next thing. And so then, then she does the Son of Sam the next time. I think she does it the next time and gets the laughs and yeah. everything. Uh, this movie's really good. I don't think, I think still today, there's very few people who talk about it. No. Yeah yeah you're absolutely right now i want to go back and watch it from the perspective of just what you said of crafting a joke in a in a certain way yeah. you know because even though we don't perform for you know live like we we go through and, and reword things specifically to get that impact mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i think i think this would be a lot of fun to to watch again yeah um yeah, I'm, I want to watch this again. This is one of the movies off of this off of this list that I'm like need to give that another yeah, another yeah. run. The Burbs. This movie's great. Oh, The Burbs. <sighs> this just makes me warm and fuzzy. You mm-hmm. got Corey Feldman, the pizza dude. Mm-hmm. You got Bruce which he Stern. apparently uh, ad libbed the whole pizza That's dude right. thing. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> proud of it. though. So proud. Uh, but you have um, you have um, uh, wait a minute, Henry Gibson. He has a bit about a pizza dude in this movie. He is uh, that where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line comes from? No, I don't no, think so. I think no. it's uh, he's 
he's really from the beginning because Bruce Stern's wife is out there like gardening and he's looking down or he's looking at her ass yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like showing it off proudly. But then he's like, Hey, the pizza dude's coming or something but like, like that. But like in the first Turtles movie, I think it's even the one he voiced in the very beginning. They've ordered a pizza and the turtle goes, pizza dude's got 30 uh, seconds. Well, that's, oh, that, that's pro if, if that movie came out in the same year or the, or like right after, then yeah, I would I would probably say he did that because of the burb. It's gotta be. I'm um, gonna go check that out. But um, but yeah, and though the woman that's married to Bruce Dern is the one who put is the voice of uh, uh, Stan, uh Steve's is it Stan Smith's um in uh American Dad. She's uh, oh really Wendy she, uh, Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw plays is the voice of his wife in that. Yeah, oh. no, I can see that right. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But uh, it's Tom Hanks married to Carrie Fisher. Um, and uh, there's another guy. There's a character actor's name that I always forget. Oh, he's, Art. Uh, it's uh, Richard Duckerman. Yeah. 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 He he's, recently died, unfortunately, but yeah. he is amazing. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. But this is a, you know, the so they're, they live on this uh, in this neighborhood that I think uh, Leave It to Beaver was shot on the oh, set really? and everything. There's It's a famous Universal set, I believe, that they shot this movie on and uh some uh some neighbors have moved or, or moved unexpectedly across the street and these new neighbors these scary neighbors have come in mm -hmm. and they start inventing all these like what are these people about what are they doing there's always something going on at night where there's like some lights going on in the basement mm -hmm. and everything and like they start inventing this whole like scenario and then to the point where they go way above and beyond what neighbors should be doing to investigate <laughs> what's going on with these with this family but you have henry gibson you have the kid from children of the corn yep in it. yep yep uh uh the the redheaded dude who um and then um and so yeah it's them just sort of hanks is the uh is has like lost his job or something no he's on vacation well he he's on vacation for a long time in this movie does that come up later in the movie there, there, this is one of those things where i believe in the movie they initially had a scene where it showed that he got fired oh really but then they didn't sh they didn't keep it oh. so then you're like how does he have all this time he's just on vacation this whole time yeah he actually well i mean there, there's a, a a line in the first part of the movie where she's pissed off that he's just gonna stay around the whole time instead mm -hmm. of like taking them somewhere yeah and so he's looking forward to having like i don't know four weeks off or something like that where he can just hang out and drink beers and smoke cigars yeah yeah there there i think they added the vacation thing that's but like crazy. he was supposed to have been let go and and he didn't tell her ah. about it and that was a whole thing that they were going to put in there by the way there's a scene in here where he's watching tv and mr rogers neighborhood is on oh that's oh. wild mm -hmm. oh wow i thought that was kind of cool when I, I <laughs> he saw knew it. back then yeah yeah uh the burbs is excellent that's joe dante yes. and it's uh the, if you haven't seen it that's a huge recommend turner and hooch have Ooh. not seen this since it came out i know it's he's a cop or something mm -hmm. and his and it's a police dog mm -hmm. and uh, no, no no he it's uh it's not a police dog he inherits this dog because its owner was killed and he's investigating Okay, so I'm probably that. thinking of K-9, which yes. came out the same year. I, I think. just didn't watch any of these movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, this came out in the mid-80s, right? Uh, late 80s. 88. 88. I'm 13 years old, 89? 14 mm -hmm. years old. I knew this was dumb. I didn't need to watch it to know it was dumb. 
Everybody, it's, but it seems like in every comic's life, they end up making a movie with a fucking animal. It's it's fun, dumb though. This is this is a better movie. Jason than Alexander the did one. Dunstan checks in. <laughs> Matt LeBlanc did Ed. Yep. yep. Like everybody, every comic somewhere on their way up to 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 make their nuts or whatever you call it, <laughs> they have to make a movie with a fucking animal. And I just I've never had any interest. Even the Clint Eastwood ones with the gorilla, I don't care. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Now this is this is worthwhile. If you were to watch any of those that you just rattled off, including K Nine, yeah, <laughs> I would is, recommend. Is he a one. cop in this? Though? He is. Yes. Okay. Um, there's a whole scene at the beginning where he's telling his dog, no spitting, no chewing, this is not your room, yep. or something of that nature, and he keeps telling him each room, he's like, this is not your room, yeah. this is not, but of course the dog ends up just, you know. This is not your room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's of course, in my mind, like the most lovable and, and crazy, but like he's disgusting and slobbering and stuff like that. Yeah. I like, this movie hits me in the feels because I, it's interesting that you didn't see most of these movies because... It came at a time where you weren't watching movies. Like these were the type of movies that I was allowed to see and that I just adored. All right. Uh, um. Then Joe versus the volcano. I have not seen this in forever. Mm-hmm. I remember enjoying it. I was the thirteen, I think, when this came out. Uh, this is the first Tom Hanks Meg Ryan uh, team up. <laughs> three and, Meg Ryan's. Yeah, three Meg Ryan's. <laughs> uh and uh i i think the basic gist is that he goes to hawaii so he's uh he's a dude that uh has always kind of been fastidious and stuff like that mm-hmm. and with his money and his, his looks and everything uh and then he finds out that he has a terminal disease and apparently a brain cloud y- yes mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently there's a thing in hawaii where you can live like a king on this island for a period of time at the end of which you have to jump into a volcano Abe vagoda's in this right Yes, as the, like one of the island guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a delight because you get to see uh, Meg Ryan three ways, mm-hmm. and the last way is like her kind of like boat captain, you know, rough and tumble type of thing. Mm-hmm. The one that eventually uh, falls in love with Tom Hanks, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's another movie I'd, I'd like to revisit because it has been since 1990 since I've seen this. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a memorable title. Obviously, I remember just like you know. It's, it, it's easy to refer to this movie, but I, I don't know if I even remember very much about it at, at all, other than who was in it. It's such a stupid premise, and I remember it being, even as young as I was, I remember it being laughed off as being just a stupid movie. Well, I think it's trying to be allegorical. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There's even a part in the beginning when like the fluorescent lights are like flickering and beating him down, and he's picking at his shoe, and he says something about losing his soul. Mm-hmm. Nah. A little heavy on the allegorical yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah um but super charming i bet i bet i haven't seen it since late 90s mm-hmm. but at that point we were we were proud josh and i that we were the only people who knew this movie and liked it <laughs> but i bet if i watched it today i'd be like not quite as good as i remember yeah. it's still probably better than its reputation yeah so uh barrett has talked about the bonfire of the vanities and we'll skip on over to radio flyer um huh. i don't yeah i don't know if i saw this movie i don't think i did Oh, is he only in it as a little bit, as like an older version of one of the main characters? Of Elijah Wood, yeah. So he's, I, I probably don't even think of this as a Tom Hanks movie. No, definitely not. I remember the it's, movie coming out because fucking everybody had one of those red wagons, but. It's, it's, it's a, a tough movie. <laughs> it's, it's a tough movie in certain respects because their stepfather, Elijah Wood and his uh, brother is abusive towards them, especially his stepbrother. But this radio flyer, this like wagon is their uh, escape. 
And so it does kind of warm your cockle. (laughs) 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 Your your heartstrings and stuff like that to where... Warm your heartstrings? Talk about mixed fucking metaphors right there. You were better off with cockles. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's actually the right thing. It just didn't seem like the right thing to say. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it does have its moments of very tender drama. But yeah, there's it's it's tough to watch. But yeah, Tom Hanks is the guy who's telling the story later on. Yeah. Uh, then he would work with Penny Marshall again on A League of Their Own. Uh, this stars Gina Davis and uh, Rosie O'Donnell so and Madonna. A little, and- a little against type for him. I guess not because he'd done some of the grosser stuff, but he's maybe... He's grouchy and he's this. a drunk oh, asshole, yeah. and he has some mean moments. Yeah, he's um, a drunk asshole for sure. Yeah, I liked this movie a lot. Yeah, I don't think I like it as much anymore. Oh, really? I, every time I watch it again, it gets more charming to Interesting. me. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I feel like it's probably still just as good. I haven't seen it in a while, but I I, I get the sense that it's not like horrible or anything. Like it's not a relic. No, no, it's not a relic. Definitely, and probably because it's a period piece set in the World War II. I think. Where yes. They're the women are playing because the men are off to the war. The men are off to war. The women are creating their their own professional league and uh and they get these like old like washed up manager types like tom hanks <laughs> yeah, to yeah. to manage the teams and everything his his uh introduction to this team <laughs> is to come in and pee forever <laughs> yeah, tom hanks tom peeing. hanks peeing. We, this we should I don't have know kept this, a running tally i don't know if this is the first of the many of the peeings but like uh <laughs> i it, guarantee you there's a peeing scene in big somewhere yeah probably it's gotta, it's gotta be. be probably is. i may have mentioned this before but what i really like about this movie may have been because it's a female director their relationship gina davis and uh, tom hanks never turns romantic right even there's a great scene when they're on the tour bus where he comes over they're the only two that are up oh and they start singing tiny dancer all they start singing tiny dancer and then they start whacking each other off oh yeah i don't know where that came yeah from. i don't either um but and uh, he's like i want to go home and she's like you are home <laughs> it's not romantic <laughs> <laughs> but she's even looking at a picture of her husband who's deployed and he's asking about him and stuff like that. And it's just this nice, like, friendly moment between colleagues who are becoming friends and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I really I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do, too. Um, I, it's it, Like I said, it's been forever since I've, like, watched this from beginning to end. But uh, I've seen pieces of it, you know, in the past few years. And I'm like, oh, this is... This is still good, I think. This is flashback to when Rosie O'Donnell was like an actress. Yeah. Actress. Like she, when she got the talk show, she kind of put that on hold. She was a good actress. Yeah, I thought she so. Was she and miss. Madonna she were was good really beautiful good. girls. Exit to Eden. Yeah, Exit hey. to Eden. <laughs> Everybody's good in Exit to Eden. Well, this is one of, like, it's early in Madonna's acting career, yeah. too, if I remember right. Yeah, she had had a few in the 80s, uh, uh, sort of capitalizing on her material girl. And then uh, Dick Tracy, yeah, and Dick Tracy. But this is maybe one of the first time. I, I, I don't, I don't like saying that, but this is one of the first times it feels like she played a character that wasn't just Madonna. Although she's she is Madonna. kind of she's pretty Madonna in this. <laughs> she is. What happens if I slide into third base and my bosoms fall out? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that but, always happens. But mm-hmm. they're, they, these, it's, it's uh, these women are, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to get. Um, they're trying to be recognized as legitimate and everything mm-hmm. while their husbands are in like severe danger across, uh, overseas. And so you see a lot of that too, where yep. like news from overseas comes over and it, it devastates the entire 
you know. Oh, because one of them's husband died. Yeah, it's a yeah. great because he actually Hanks's character goes over and grabs the telegram, and they don't know who he's going to. And there's yeah. this nice, like, kind of chilling moment where you know he hands it over, and at that point, he's ingratiated himself. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great scene. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, John Lovitz is in this. Uh, David Strathairn. David Strathairn is, is the one who's trying to make it legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays a really cool character that. That he believes, like in this, as an actual league, mm-hmm. and it has no chance chance of succeeding. And even at the end of it, they shut it down. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's very cool. But How many old timey baseball movies is he in? Because he's in Eight Men Out. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I was just thinking that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, he's in that too. Uh, it might be the only two. Might be, but it is kind of funny in that same era. <laughs> he was like that, but. Uh, this has that line. I know Jeremy and I say all the time, but like, there's a there's a point where they're playing not professional baseball, but they're playing some sort of like low D league type of stuff or whatever. And Lovitz, who's the money man, I guess, or the pe- person who's trying to recruit players for this league mm-hmm. and everything, is like, is like, you get this such and such money for for playing and playing this. And Lori Petty's like like we only make blah 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 here in dairy and johnny lovitz is like well this would be more (laughs) (laughs) go home give the wife a little pickle tickle (laughs) uh then we have sleepless in seattle this is the second and most famous hanks meg ryan uh team up uh nora efron uh is uh, behind this one you know, just looking at this, this is the end of, and actually this is a transition because this is not straight comedy, but this is kind of the end of straight up comedic Hanks because yes. he goes full drama from pretty much all from here on out. I mean, he's always charming and, and has some moments of levity, but he is a dramatic actor today. Mm-hmm. And in the first third of his career, it was almost all comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle is definitely a big turning point. He's obviously going to have a much bigger turning point in later in the year, but Sleepless in Seattle, uh, it's a, I believe it's a, you would call it a Christmas holiday movie, but I think it came out in the summer. Harses, harses, uh, yeah. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Is this, is it Bill? Okay. So in Sleepless in Seattle, Meg Ryan leaves Bill Pullman for Tom Hanks. In yes. A League of Their Own, Gina Davis's husband is played by Bill Pullman. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and while you were sleeping. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so true um yeah sleepless in seattle it, it, tom hanks plays a, a guy his wife has died and he's trying to get back on the horse essentially he's got a he's got a kid who's uh, one of those precocious type kids and everything uh but uh, there's a show that people call in to tell them like uh you know they're like you know the what kind of life they're having and they're having hard need some advice mm-hmm. that type of thing and he 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 calls in and says you know talks about his wife that has died and uh and his kid sort of helps him out too i think she's he's the one who calls first yeah, the kid's he the is. one that calls first these shows used to be fucking everywhere yes. by the way the advice shows where everybody would tell their sob story yeah yeah and uh and so he finally gets him on the phone and Hanks tells a story about his wife that is, you know, like mythical, essentially. Mm-hmm. Meg Ryan, who's in a completely different part of the country, um, is she in Seattle? No, she's no, in, like, he's in Seattle. He's in Seattle, and she's in she's in like New York or yeah. Connecticut or something. Yeah, shit. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's why they call him sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He can't he can't get to sleep. Rosie O'Donnell also pretty good in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. is. Um, 
And uh, so Meg Ryan hears this and she realizes that the relationship she's in is not what this guy has described. Mm-hmm. So he, she gets obsessed with trying to find out who the, who Tom Hanks is the entire time, even goes all the way to Seattle and like, like sees him from afar. She's everything. some kind of writer or something. Cause she fabricates, like she's going to do a story about this guy from this radio show that has become gone yeah, viral yeah. in yeah, a yeah. pre-internet world. Cause if I remember right, hundreds of women are sending mail to Tom Hanks yeah. after this yeah. show and proposals and whatnot. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really it's really charming. I really like it. Um, I think it's pretty crazy. It's become a little bit overrated over I, time. I think so. I think so because I think I think originally we viewed the film from Meg Ryan's perspective, and everybody wants to believe that a a fantasy adventure to find true love like that is possible. If you view it from Tom Hanks's perspective. It's almost a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he goes if all being the way. stalked by Meg Ryan in 1993 saying, is a horror movie. He goes all the way to the right. Empire State Building. They bump into each other, and the movie ends suggesting happily ever after. And I'm like, that's fucked no, up. No, they don't d- d- bump into each other. Like, sh- he knows that she's going to be there, right? Whatever. The point is, they see each other, and they smile, and the movie ends. And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's now they're going to be. remember, though. Yeah. Well, yes, but I, it's still stupid. <laughs> There, there is a part though where she shows up in Seattle, and and like yes, and stands it across the street from yeah, him. Yeah, and and I don't know if there's a moment of recognition, I guess, or something, mm-hmm. but they don't know. She knows, but he doesn't. But she feels dumb. Then she goes back home. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and yeah, Rosie O'Donnell plays her best friend, I believe, and and is like, and so, and she tells her. Uh, I'm obsessed with this guy. Is that is that crazy? And she goes, no, I don't think it's that crazy or whatever. It's like, okay. Well, there's this one time many years ago that I, I I wanted to get some weed and I didn't have any and I didn't know anybody who had any, but I had an internet mm-hmm. and I, I got on a Yahoo chat room mm-hmm. and I met a guy who said, I'll sell you weed. I'm not a cop. I live three uh, exits down from you. And I drove all the way down there to this apartment complex before I realized this is really fucking dumb. Yes. And I left. Yes. That made more sense than these two in this fucking movie ended up together. By the way, she's from Baltimore. This is uh, where she's from. Uh, right. Connecticut, Connecticut, Baltimore. Yeah. Same I didn't diff. think that she was actually New York, but they, yeah, she was across the country mm. when it happened. Uh, then we have Philadelphia. This is the, if you want to talk about Hanks doing a complete transition from his comedy manic days, everything, this is it. It doesn't get more drama than this. Um, Neil Young does not sing any louder and higher than he does on the soundtrack to this song. That's that's true. This movie. That's true. City of brotherly love. (laughs) Stay close to me. So this is uh, his his song was called Philadelphia, right? No, uh, Springsteen's was. Uh, No, his was called Philadelphia. Springsteen was Streets of Philadelphia. You're right. That's a great Springsteen song. Spin Doctors. Have you ever seen the rain on that soundtrack? And it's not bad. But it's not bad. No. I mean, that's a great song. Anybody that covers that song is going to be all right. Yeah. What we have in this movie, in the early 90s, it was easy to probably label this as some gay drama of some sort. Mm-hmm. But it's really not accurate no. to call it that. I think in the early 90s, though, it was kind of considered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, he is a, a lawyer. He's a damn good lawyer who's been hired by one of these best uh, law firms ever type of place head by jason robards in a great role mm-hmm. um and uh and uh he um he contracts aids and i think it's 
I'm trying to remember if he's had it and it's just now starting to show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he knows knows he has it, but yeah, there's like a lesion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. a lesion pops up. Now he now nobody knows he's gay, but he knows that the people he worked with they don't or they're not down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put him on a case that is their their number one case, their like biggest money making huge publicity case because he's the best and then suddenly when people start noticing lesions he's been he gets fired um and it's a whole big huge courtroom drama essentially Mm -hmm. is what this movie is even though there's a lot more to it than that even he can't find a lawyer at all who will touch this case and he finds somebody who's just down on his luck enough in denzel washington to help him with this case Denzel Washington's not on board with him either. Mm. That's another thing. Denzel Washington is kind of like, you know, I'll take this case, but I, everything that you do outside of this, you know, I'm not, I'm not down with that. But it show we get this. This is one of Denzel Washington's best. Oh, absolutely, as yep. well. Um, Hanks, you start seeing him just getting emaciated and everything. Like he, it's not to the point of just like, oh my gosh, it's a horror movie or mm. anything, but. Uh, you can see him very physically sick as this as this movie moves on, and he may not even make the end of trial. That's how that's how bad he is. But this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. This is great. Jonathan Demme did this. This was his follow up to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, this is a fantastic movie. I think we've we've recommended it a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, we're recommend it highly again. Yep. It's mm-hmm. that good of a movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Forrest Gump. This is conversely. This is height of for of Tom Hanks's popularity. I would yeah. have to say. So this is second Oscar in this a row. This is right? second Oscar in a row. Uh, and uh, this this I read this book and uh, and uh, and and this and saw this movie. They cut. They obviously cut some things out of the book. The book he goes to space, which is funny because Apollo yeah. thirteen comes out after this. Uh, but uh, Forrest Gump. What do we think about this movie today? Sucks. Yeah. I hate I don't I don't hate it, but I hate watching it. Well, that's a good way to put it. Uh this movie has not aged well for me. It's it's we didn't start the fire in the movie. Mm-hmm. We said it when we sent it and it feels more about playing the hits of history than it does like Forrest Gump is not a character. He doesn't mm-hmm. really grow and change. He's just there through all the stuff that Zemeckis wanted us to relive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hold up for me at all. And you didn't like the Jenny character. No, Jenny's... <sighs> I gotta be careful with my language. But Jenny's essentially Satan. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, she's had her own hardships. Yes. And I'm not saying she hasn't earned the right to deal with them in her own ways that may sometimes be erratic. or what. She's the devil. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not down with this movie. Uh, when I saw it, I remember it was so buzzed about. Like, fucking, this was one of those where your dental hygienist was like, you seen that Forrest Gump's yet? Because yep. uh, everybody was seeing it and falling in love with it because everybody loves nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And that movie is just nostalgia. Hey, remember the peace-loving 60s? That happened. Here, he was there. Mm-hmm. Remember ping pong? Hey, he was there. Remember ping pong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember. Remember Watergate? He was there. Yep, yep. I just you know. Yeah. There's no narrative there. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Now I didn't. You were you. You were the two that were on the sins uh, video for this, right? I wasn't. You were on there. I definitely was because I got told and... I had to cut a couple of Jenny sins. It might have been Dicer. Might have been, been Dicer. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I was not on this. I haven't seen the movie in a while, um, but I can totally see uh, looking back on it as it not being a very good movie anymore. I do remember though, 1994, that was, that was the, you know, I mean, that summer was ridiculous. That was Lion King, Forrest Gump, True Lies. All these were coming out. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, the, they were just huge, huge movies and Forrest Gump, like just trumped them all essentially. Um, the theme song, the main theme the score is great that opens with the feather and mm-hmm. the it's uh sylvester i think right yeah yeah all of zemeckis i think is sylvester except for maybe a couple of exceptions um but i i i haven't seen it in a while but i remember liking this enough to say that i i if you ask me just gun to my head well yeah i liked it yeah but i don't yeah i mean it's one of those movies that i remember some huh yeah it's two and a half hours it's a beast um then apollo 13 this is one of my favorites uh this is uh him uh teamed up with ron howard again uh but this movie is just so good perfect yeah perfect can't stop watching it every time it comes on i'm telling you it is the one of the hardest to flip away from because i i probably had it on now granted i always have the tv on while i'm working or writing or what have you but it's probably been on four or five times in the last three weeks mm-hmm. and there's usually stuff I haven't seen on other channels. It might even be something wicked awesome <laughs> on another channel, but it just sucks you the fuck in every time. This and The Martian. And, yeah. and I've, I've, I've gotten your addiction for the, for the Martian, but yeah. like, I don't know if it's problem solving movies or space movies or both or whatever it is, but I just, I can't, I can't stop. I, I saw a video somebody on uh, Facebook uh, had sent me uh, somebody who, who went through the history of this and everything. There are, of course, a few things that they change from the real story and everything, but for the most part, they really tried to get everything right. Yeah. And uh, and so that's another thing that stands out in this. It, nothing seems like overly bullshitty. Right. right. And uh, and uh, the, the scenes, even though the, I don't, yeah, the Ken Mattingly thing, the Gary Sinise, where he's, he's like going through all these different scenarios to figure out how he can transfer the volts over to right. this and trying to get this. Apparently that was something that they had already solved long before they even got up there because oh. they knew they, they actually got these scenarios written down huh. already, but it's fascinating in the movie. It's mm-hmm. one of the best scenes of the movie. And, and that's something that they added to it. Uh, yeah, this movie is just it's so good. Yep. How does Ron Howard make this movie? I don't know. I think when you got, the the perfect cast, the perfect script, and the perfect story. I guess you know he is certainly capable enough to make make that work. Yeah, yeah. Um. Then we have, uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, all four Toy Stories all as one thing here. Toy Story came out; it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety five. No, no movie I believe had been completely computer generated at this point. Although there were some, I think they had put some computer. Some computer things had been implemented, but this is the first one I think that just went completely. At least it's the first huge one. Uh, it's the first huge CGI. Yeah, animated. and if you look at it now, if you compare four to one, oh like, Jesus, they've improved so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In terms of how realistic they can even a, even a world like Toy Story that's not supposed to look photorealistic, but you know, Pixar's improved a lot. Um, but when this came out, it was mind-blowing. We'd never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And to boot, it was awesome. Yeah. It was charming. It had a, a lot of great voices. It was very inventive and clever. 
Um, I remember very vividly. I watched this movie at the Harding Mall before I ever lived in oh, really? Nashville. We were down here on some kind of fucked up spring break or something. It was snowy as fucked up spring break. <laughs> I took two spring breaks to Nashville with Josh, and they were both fucked up. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember watching it and uh, loving it. It's so good. The first time I watched this, I had food poisoning, and I was puking my guts out as I was watching this this movie. And I've never seen it since. The first one. I've never seen it since because I had that association with wow. it. Wow. I, I know it's good. Well, no. I remember it, and I've, and I've seen scenes from it, but I've never watched it all the way through again because it brings back no, that I, that's visceral crazy. experience. That's yes. crazy. Oh, well. Um, ever since, now, the sequels are all, all, all super excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Toy Story 2 may be the... I don't know. Toy Story 2... Uh, each each Toy Story after this has a larger message that they're trying to get across. Um, uh, I can't remember. Toy Story Two is more about what is it more about? You can find a home anywhere, and it doesn't have to. Well, well, and it's also a little bit about play with your toys. Don't leave them in boxes just to make money off of them, right? Because yeah. that collector, that uh, Wayne Knight guy, yeah. is like mm-hmm. he's selling them to highest bidders, and it's lost the spirit of what the toy really means. Toy Story Three is more about humans letting go of their toys. Mm-hmm. Toy Story Four is more about toys letting go of their humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Toy Story Four. I recently saw this again because I was under the influence of <laughs> edibles when I watched it the first time. Uh, Toy Story Four is uh, is is really good. Now it's got all this, the the only problem with the Toy Story sequels is they all have the same issue, right? Somehow they get outside the house. They're trying to save someone who has gotten outside of the house, mm-hmm. and then the adventure starts. And you're like, okay, I've seen this. They they have to find ways to make sure they don't get caught and they're always in some big store at some point Mm -hmm. and they have to get they have to run from the store and then by the end of it there's a big huge message and everything that's like oh this tied everything together really well but uh, you know like you're saying i don't know if we we need any of these sequels but uh each one of them in their own way has a has a message that's good by the end of it that makes that elevates them above typical animated yeah no i agree i agree well, they, they kept the quality up with those movies, whereas the Cars sequels, they just got worse and yeah. worse. Well, yeah, story-wise. I mean, the looks-wise and the Cars sequels are fantastic, but no, I think that's where pretty. they really yeah. put their, their stuff. My yeah. favorite of this whole thing, understanding and agreeing that it's unnecessary, my favorite is 3. 3 just hits you in the, the gut. It's got a great story. It's very deep, and the animation Have is Have you seen 4? Nope. I haven't seen 4 yet either. Yeah, now... now the thing that you're talking about with the detail and everything, you're gonna your jaw's gonna drop. I bet at how good it is, especially at the very beginning when they're trying to save the little motor car thing uh, from uh, from because uh, it's raining and the rain is just. I mean, the rain is unbelievable how huh. they drew that. Uh, the colors are amazing. Then there's a point. There's a there's a lot of sections in an antique store and just how detailed that antique huh. store is is going to blow your mind. I was just sitting there just going, there's never been another animation company that would put this much, like just the tiniest things to make that antique store look so... There are sections of the good dinosaur that are photorealistic Mm -hmm. with the water and the mountains. That's a garbage fire of a movie (laughs) that I want to bludgeon to death, but it looked fucking real. It looked like film a couple of moments in there. Yeah. 
Uh, on to Tom Hanks' directorial debut, and he's also in it as Mr. White, that thing you do. Famously had an attached trailer on Independence Day, and I'll never understand why, but uh, uh, this movie's great. Yep. Yeah. It probably did because Tom Hanks is a huge star, and he probably said, this is my first directorial debut, so put all your marketing money, I'm money sure, behind it. I'm sure, but it's the weirdest thing. Like People were watch, going to watch this big alien space opera, Yeah, and that thing you do, which has got... Uh, a preview that i would consider bad in for, you know in front of independence it's almost the whole song too isn't it yeah yeah and then they you're annoyed with the song before the movie even comes out <laughs> yeah yeah and it comes out of nowhere and suddenly then now you're watching this fucking big huge alien movie afterwards but uh that thing you do great movie it's fantastic if you have never been in if you've ever been in a band or wanted to be a singer mm-hmm. or an instrumentalist um i think this movie is gonna touch your feels and uh, in a good way did uh was there anything remarkable about the direction because he's only directed one other movie other than this yeah which was larry crown yeah yeah which i haven't seen yeah. but uh you know it's it's a good movie i think overall but like i don't see any like real flourishes or anything like that no right? the place where there's a couple scenes where it really pops and it's usually the montages there's that they're, they're on the state fair tour and they're playing that come on pretty mm-hmm. baby and it's it's showing you montage stuff of them goofing around while on tour having fun but it's also interspliced with that live in the round concert footage at the state fair mm-hmm. uh and i feel like you can see his direction there i see because uh, it even zooms in on mr white right when they hit that oh, oh, he like, yeah, does yeah, that yeah, arm yeah, yeah. thing because and it's so fucking endearing because he's been kind of a hard ass to these kids but that is the moment we realize oh he really does enjoy the yeah. music um but yeah for the most part it, it could have been directed by anybody i'm sure so larry crown's probably the same way <laughs> yeah um then we have uh he did the uh the miniseries from the earth to the moon i still haven't gotten all the way through uh this uh miniseries but uh he he does do a uh, sort of a walk and talk introduction to each episode as he comes in mm. uh and this is just about the the beginnings of the space program and all the the major uh highlights of everything that happened back in the 60s and 70s and everything the one the episodes that i've seen are great yeah it's fantastic i gotta check it out yeah it's good it's band of brothers good yeah it doesn't get anywhere near the play um then uh uh saving private ryan yeah Uh, you know it's awesome yeah how did it lose the academy award uh i believe the story is that shakespeare love well it was weinstein i believe the story is that uh the weinsteins uh and miramax lobbied really hard and got what they wanted out of this god but they're going up against spielberg and who released it was a universal that uh, uh well, and then spielberg Spiel- gonna- uh, same right around was dreamworks i believe oh that's right yeah dreamworks and you got katzenberg and you got you got uh, world war Two, and you got hanks and I because mean- i i and that's the story that i've heard is that they were able to successfully lobby that that while spielberg should just go ahead and get his award even though he had already gotten one for schindler's list he should get it that they wanted shakespeare in love and like i don't know i it's, it could be one of those things where you have so many votes for best picture i think everybody votes on best picture mm. uh there was a huge cast in shakespeare in love there was a huge cast in saving private ryan too but um that it just it just somehow got to the top you gotta also think that year you had 
Saving Private Ryan and The Thin Red Line, both right. war movies. And then he had three Elizabethan era movies, Shakespeare in Love, Elizabeth, and uh, actually it was three World War II movies. Life is Beautiful was the other one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he, had a, he, he probably had a lot of split between genres and all that that happened. And then Saving Private Ryan just sort of whittled its way down at some point. But Saving Private Ryan is the best movie. Well, it, and it was also a pretty hard R rating. Yes. Um, which is a, a tougher sell, I think, to the academy wide but also let's not feel too bad for spielberg because later in life he lobbied pretty hard against the behind the catalabra and then roma and so yeah, all yeah. these power people in hollywood have tried to keep other people from winning awards they want to win oh for sure for sure i mean but if you want to talk about integrity this is the first time i thought the oscars like just i was sitting there just going what what this, yeah. <laughs> whatever you're voting whatever your voting uh system is it's broken well yeah and i even i even saw shakespeare because it's tom stoppard who did rosencrantz yeah. and gildenstern mm-hmm. are dead and so he was on my radar anyway and i even watched that movie and liked it plenty yeah. oh yeah i didn't it was never a best picture nope. no not even once not even when damn judy dench her. Mm-hmm. yeah the timing of that was awkward mm-hmm. yeah um they're going in opposite that's ways. the girl who showed her bubbies uh but yeah saving private ryan um uh he's he's really good in this obviously i don't think he's the main i mean he's not the main attraction for a movie like this um now the setting the direction really is it's, setting direction the the action the you know the the story of it is you know the the you know matt damon is playing a guy where all of his brothers have died and so they're they're going out to find this one guy and uh and the the story goes that damon was doing his goodwill hunting stuff while they were all off doing uh real boot camp stuff mm-hmm. and so they wanted to have like this uh real animosity once they finally ran into his man character. i had a fascinating conversation with patrick from modern horrors privately about this very topic we started off talking about the shining and how it's difficult for some people to enjoy The Shining, knowing what they know now about some of the things Kubrick did with Shelley Long, Shelley Long, Shelley Duvall, Duvall. <laughs> no, Shelley Duvall. Sorry, uh, and and then I started talking about Hitchcock and Tippi Hendren and the Birds, and how you know so many of our great directors uh, manipulated their actors, uh, and there's got to be a place somewhere where you draw that line. And then I brought up Spielberg and the and the Matt Damon thing, saying that's manipulation, but it's not abuse it's yeah. not abusive manipulation um so where exactly do we draw that i ended up telling him i could probably do a whole podcast on this topic like where exactly do you draw the line between that's too far and that's just that's just clever like the alien chestburster scene was one i think is kind of on the line yeah because he he only tells john hurt that's what's going to happen he doesn't tell any of the other actors i could i could make a case that that's a traumatic event for somebody to experience that not knowing it's going to happen <laughs> um but it, it got the performances he wanted yeah. so how yeah, far yeah. is too far well topic for another day maybe, i don't know but- man because whatever he did that part of the movie is probably my favorite part of the movie when they finally find ryan because he's pissed off he he's done nothing wrong right he you know should he's out there fighting with his platoon or whatever he wants to stay mm-hmm. and they're pissed off at him because we fucking lost what at this point two people to, to, to save your ass yeah. fuck you for saying that you want to stay here yeah. your ass is going home edward burns yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean listen uh, here asshole <laughs> <laughs> that dynamic is just is fantastic it, it got exactly what he wanted out of it maybe i, I mean again i 
they're actors. They're professional actors. It's like Chris's philosophy on football, or that one team didn't get up for it enough. Yeah. And they, like, but I think professional actors probably could have acted like they harbored a grudge against Matt Damon's yeah, character yeah. without the boot camp trick. But you know, everybody you has their style. Ever have the same experience that I did with this movie, where there's a scene where they want to kill this one guy, this one German guy, but they let him go. Mm-hmm. And then later on, think it's the same guy that stabs uh, uh, the Adam Goldberg character later. Is it not? It's not. It's. Not I always the thought. Same one. I always thought it was the. No, it's not the same guy. Oh. Now I could be. Now this could well, be one there's... of those things where I feel like I've been in an alternate dimension, and you guys look this up and find out it is the same guy. And I haven't I'm seen just... the movie in probably. But 15 there's years. a there's a scene where they let a guy go, and everybody's like, "Why are you letting him go? He can just tell tell." Uh, the germans about it and and they sort of like uh say ah don't worry about it then later on when they're in that battle with damon and everything there's a scene on the stairs where that guy likes well another guy stabs adam goldberg and you're and then it's sort of this idea that oh they let that guy go and then it came back to bite him on the ass but uh it's not the same guy. there's actually another uh part in that same scene where jeremy davies like cowers by the stairs and lets the guy who yes. stabbed him go and i think he comes back to kill another one of them. he does go group. he does go back to kill to, to finally get up the nerve to kill uh the that guy yeah yeah uh but yeah that was something that i always thought i thought it was like oh they let him go and then he came back and bit him in the ass later but it's not the same guy you know uh one of the the things that i can't stand to watch happens in snowpiercer happens in this movie is the slow stabbing in the chest oh, mm-hmm. where the person is still alive yeah and and is trying to prevent it but it, it keeps going it keeps going okay oh yeah you Can't want to know it. what's hard um i was watching uh the last samurai the other day uh-huh. um you ever seen that flick tom oh, cruise a long time ago it's much better than a movie that people nobody nobody ever talks about that movie morgan um, freeman was in that no he's not uh, <laughs> but at the end he played the last samurai <laughs> at the end ken watanabe is ready to die and um he asks tom cruise to help him uh-huh. and tom cruise basically stabs him a little bit and then watanabe grabs the thing and oh. pulls it in even further and there's like a, a squelching noise that <laughs> oh, was very no. uncomfortable and i was like i didn't need all that. oh my god it happens in the strangers too uh the Liv tyler uh, uh yeah. james martin uh, scott uh, scott speedman scott, scott speedman. speedman uh yeah it happens in that i can't take it yeah i don't like it uh that same year, he did You've Got Mail, which is, was his third foray with Meg Ryan. This is a remake of a shop around the shop around the corner. Um, yeah, they uh, Hanks and Meg Ryan in sort of the early days of the internet, where you could get on uh, getting on these like American online chats, and both Hanks and Ryan have met each other through the internet the magical mm-hmm, tool mm-hmm. that is the internet mm-hmm. this movie is way out of date oh super super shit uh, doesn't hold up at all you saw this fairly you know how out of date it is it's about a little tiny bookstore being put out of business by a barnes and noble type store <laughs> yes and now barnes and noble is going out of business. exactly <laughs> exactly uh being put out of business by basically the tool that they're talking to each other uh, exactly with. um the um yeah, so they've they've met each other that way. She runs this small bookstore called the Shop Around the Corner. It's a children's bookstore. He is this this mega Fox Books uh, 
you know, he's putting in this big store right across the street from it. And, uh, and so they, at first they meet each other and, uh, he, he, um, they don't know who they, they don't know who each other is, but he's gone onto her store because they just happen to be in the area and he's got the, he's got, uh, his niece and nephew. Well, actually it's one of them's like his brother, one of them is his brother, but it's like, uncle. A, <laughs> and then another one is like his, his aunt, but it's, she's way younger and uh um, forgot that part no, of it. it's messed up yeah and uh <laughs> and uh he brings them in and that's how he meets her the first time but uh this this conversation between them is obviously turning into something else they're obviously in bad relationships meg ryan's with greg kinnear who barely registers as human in this movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he's like he's like uh he's he's he hates technology for some reason no yeah. no reason at all given but he hates it and he wants to he wants to do all his stuff on typewriters yep. and and uh, all that and it's just he's every every time he's on screen it's like you know technology well man technology sucks and you know he's terrible and Parker Posey plays Tom Hanks's uh, girlfriend in this and she is an awful person Parker Posey's basically playing the role that she always seemed to play in these type of movies. Uh, Parker Posey is like a very likable actress, but like she always was in these like roles where she would be that agitator of some sort. And Mm. she's barely registers as human. So anyway, yeah, they're, uh, they, they're talking online. They don't know who each other is. And then, then they decide they're going to meet finally. And Hanks sees who it is. And then he realizes, I don't know if I want to meet this. I don't know if I want to meet her. Then he decides to meet her without telling her that he knows who she is. Mm. And yeah, he acts like he just happens to be at the same restaurant where she was going to meet. Dude, my wife watches this movie six times a year, by the way. <laughs> um, and yeah, he goes in and basically makes fun of her for getting stood up. Yeah. He's an asshole in yeah, that moment. Yeah, he's such a dick. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, he keeps trying to find out a way. How do I? How do I? eventually he at first i think he wants to do it on his own merits he wants to have her fall in love with him without knowing that he's the one that's that they've been he's she's been talking to and uh and i think that's what that whole last 20 30 minutes of that movie is 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 him pretending that he's not the guy and then striking up a sort of friendship with her giving her advice giving her advice about the guy she's emailing yes And meanwhile, they're like professional rivals, right? Don't they hate well, each yeah, other? But, yeah, but I mean, her 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 shop has no chance. Okay. No, here her she's destined to close. Yeah, even, even though if, a bunch of people show up to the uh, oh, that's there's a dumb, <laughs> yeah, there is a dumb scene in this movie where like she after Hanks tells her that she needs to go to the mattresses, like in The Godfather, um, she uh she calls out the media and the and greg kinnear is like her, a, a guy who writes for the new york post or something she even asked him would it be a conflict of interest if you wrote about my shop answer is yes but like <laughs> know, he he writes that writes the article anyway and then there's like this big media blitz and you see her store is filled with people and then she's even out on her soapbox talking to people and everybody's like yeah fuck fox books mm-hmm. they suck and then and then like she goes over to gene stapleton and like 
she's like so so no difference and she's like not a difference at all <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i mean that 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 movie writes itself essentially right? yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh we have talked about toy story 2 we have talked about the green mile this is our first little crossover oh yeah uh, we did stephen king we talked about the green mile there if you want to if you want to hear any more green mile stuff go to that stephen king podcast which was two episodes ago yep. mm-hmm. um and then we have castaway um Ooh. which is i believe this is 2000 and this is going to end our our podcast for tom hanks today uh-huh. today we'll have a part two because he's such a prolific motherfucker he is uh <laughs> the, uh, unfortunately these are all his best movies too <laughs> like uh, oh yeah that's funny yeah you know, we'll have our <laughs> we'll have our part two and it won't be it'll be the latter stages there's some it. there's some gems in there this is talk about like a perfect rewatchable movie mm-hmm. this is up there with apollo 13 with me yeah. well and you we said this when we send this you, you it needs a special kind of actor if you're going to stay on one guy on an abandoned deserted island for 40 minutes of your movie mm. straight it needs somebody with the charisma it needs somebody that can do drama and comedy uh and there are many moments in this movie where zemeckis just sets the camera down <laughs> and lets hanks act and it's, it's great it's great now mm-hmm. that, i've got issues with this movie i think it needs to end way the fuck before it does all of the stuff with going back to see helen hunt and now she's with chris noth and woe is us and then they have the awkward conversation so she didn't come to the thing to greet you so he goes to the house and they kiss in the rain and then and, 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 ah! i hate all of that Ooh, you hate all that i hate all of I that i think i think i don't disagree with you especially the kiss in the rain but also I think it's a nice little coda to figure out how things have actually been impacted outside of himself because we've been so insular to this character the whole time. Well, that's sort of my problem is that I don't I never cared about the outside shit. You didn't have to open with him having a girlfriend in Helena Hunt. You didn't need that. But that's one of those things that kind of keeps him going when he's saying the flashlight. And then when he gets home, he doesn't get her. I know, it's I like, know, I like that. I would rather that happen than if she comes running back and like listen, embraces him at I the airport. I throw a rock and find somebody that's got a story of lost love uh, that I'd rather hear. I don't need to see a movie to see that kind of disappointment. But that's not that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is the island, his experience, him getting exact, off of it. Exact. Stop. Now Credits. I could do I could do completely uh, without the whole fanfare of him getting back and stuff like that. That goes on too long. I do like the shot of him staring at that seafood tower. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> just got this ridiculous amount of yes. fish and meat and all i that can even i can even buy if you want it to be him on the plane with the fedex guy telling him we got the media yada yada by the way helen hunt fell in love with some other dude and married him <laughs> that would have been fine i didn't need he to see her, helen her. <laughs> i didn't need to see that reunion yeah because you have you have taken a resolution him fucking willing himself off of that island and then you cut out its knees with anti-resolution yeah, I I think I disagree on this one because I think I think that is something that a a Hollywood movie we were we're so just like preordained to watch the happy ending uh, happen and and it would be I mean it'd be perfectly acceptable obviously if he gets back but I think the idea that it does suck so bad is something that really uh resonates with me because i think that's something that we you know we deal i mean we we always deal with those type of things and in life and everything and by the end of it he is at a literal crossroads i mean they they lay that on pretty thick but 
uh, I like the idea of him like he can do anything he wants now. He can, and she's moved on. And except at, for the kiss at, at the time. Well, I kind of like that too. At the time, <laughs> you're so rooting for this guy so hard that you almost like are like calling her a bitch for moving on and like you know going and, and marrying somebody else when they never found his body or whatever no mm-hmm. she did the appropriate adult thing she mourned him for a while she fucking buried him she actually says like i buried you basically yeah and they weren't even married in the first place right they were, I think they were engaged, they were engaged. Yeah, yeah that's right that's right see i'm okay with i guess i'm okay with the details of his adventure not all ending with a happy ending but mm. i don't need those scenes i feel like those scenes clog the momentum of the film i got you and it does go on too long i think you know they throw in that little line about the titans and like you know getting to the it's like all right all right all right and then you know he does get to the literal crossroads and things like that i think the kiss may not be the kiss is is okay to me because it shows that she still has unresolved feelings and she doesn't know what to think at this point uh but yeah yeah, I think it just goes on a beat, a few beats too long. I mean, there have been movies that I feel like have dealt more straight on with the thought you were dead, married somebody else, and now you're home. There's that Tobey Maguire, Jake Gyllenhaal one with Natalie Portman. Oh, is that? Uh, it's not Enemy. No, but it's they're brothers. It's in that same think, era, right? And even even Pearl Harbor has already done this, <laughs> where well, we thought you were dead, so I moved on to this other guy. <laughs> like I didn't feel like I needed that dabble bit of realism at the end of Castaway, a movie that was pretty good up until then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. I will say this: was, we said this before, but this was the year of Zemeckis giving away his entire movie twice. Yeah. Oh, uh, what lies beneath? What lies beneath? And Castaway. But in Castaway, you watch the trailer. You know he gets off the island. Yep. Is that in the trailer? Yep. Yeah. He says because they're on on the plane and he's talking to dude and he's like uh, and the guy's like yeah and we uh, we had a funeral. And yeah. He's like, was there a, a casket? Funeral no yeah what was in it yeah, yeah what was in it yeah wow um so i'm looking for this uh this toby mcguire jake gyllenhaal movie um, i swear to god i'm not pulling that out of my no, ass no I, I i can almost guarantee you're not but i'm looking for it and i can't i don't know what the name of it it's is. gonna be something bad like home fires burning or um <laughs> since you've been gone it is brothers <laughs> brothers <laughs> oh that's right brothers got a hug yeah <laughs> <laughs> but is that, that a good one, movie no, but but in that one, Toby comes back, and not only is he completely changed from the war, but he is pissed. I've that Jake seen has this movie. Yes, yes, yes. I've He's seen this movie. Mad. It's uh, not. It's not a great movie, but no. it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that's part one of the Tom Hanks discussion. I didn't think we. Th- I didn't think. I think we thought we could get through the whole <laughs> the whole thing, but there's still a lot. That was the the most of his what we remember Hanks from. Mm-hmm. We'll remember Hanks. Four uh, in his career. He's got a lot more after this, obviously, but we will do part two on the next episode. That's a teaser, kids. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Um, if you want to talk about this episode, go to Syncast presented by CinemaSense on Facebook. Uh, CinemaSense Twitter, uh, Music Video Sense Twitter, uh, Reddit, SoundCloud. If you want to go onto our Discord, I can give you a link through Facebook on the private messages, or you can go to Reddit and find the link over on the right side of the page there. God damn, we got a lot of places that you can you can contact us. I mean, hot Jesus, Jesus. Je- yeah. hot Jesus. There are a lot of a lot of ways to uh, uh, come and talk about and this. Very, we're episode. manning these things. It's like if you 
typically if you if you contact us on SoundCloud or Facebook or the Reddit or stuff like that, or even sometimes on Twitter, like you'll get a response. We like we like interacting. It's not with interns people. like you yeah, know, we're not passing <laughs> this off to interns like like. Uh, Certainly some well-meaning YouTubers probably do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We like that part, so we do it ourselves. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Here's something that 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 uh, that fucked with me last night. So to watch to to prepare for this podcast, I watched uh, the Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh uh, yes. I told my wife that uh, we were doing Tom Hanks, and she was like, "Oh, I love Tom Hanks. Put him in anything, and put Morgan Freeman in anything." And I was like, "Weirdly enough, they're in Bonfire of the Vanities together." Oh, interesting. And she was like, "Well, Morgan Freeman's in everything. He's worked with every actor." And so my son was like, "What about Tom Cruise?" Your son's right. And I froze. For what now? <clears throat> Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman, have they ever worked together? <clears throat> no. Uh, think about this. Unless it goes way back. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are having this reaction because I figured that you guys would say either yes or no like that, definitively. Well, I mean, it took me forever to almost, wrap my brain around. Almost it. anything like that, though, is going to be something you got to think about because they both have careers that span from the '80s on. Right, and they could be in a number of things where they just show up. Um, like more, you could tell me Morgan Freeman was somewhere in Rain Man, and I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He just like yeah, it's a background character. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was the doctor they talked to. And, uh... <laughs> but no, I don't feel. Like, is there some kind of whammy coming? There, there is a definitive yes or no coming. So then it must be yes, since I said no, and don't, you haven't. Don't said say anything. anything yet. I'm going to look it up on collaborations, but um, I, I'm cheating. But I just want to. Oh, you're. I know the answer. But I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't want to like you know be revealed I got that you. way. I got you. I'm just surprised that I didn't know yes or no right off the top of my head. Oh, fucking, I got it. That's cheating. <laughs> oh, I, I if I'm it's curious. A, if it's a Spielberg film, that's cheating. There are um, actually two movies. Yes. War of the Worlds. One of them is a Spielberg movie, yes. War that's cheating. Because he's narrating. Yeah. Yep. What's the other one? Oblivion. Which is so fucking right there in front mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but, uh, but Oblivion's not one of those movies that you easily just refer to. No, and when you think of that, you don't think about Morgan Freeman. Yeah, he's yeah. in like ten minutes of that he's movie. In that he's in just a little bit. Right? Library yeah. scene uh, when uh, he he like goes down into that buried library. But then Morgan Freeman's character dies when yeah. they get attacked because then it's a uh, it's uh, Jamie Lannister that's the main underground person person. oh yeah uh nikolai coster waldo that's him i figured something like morgan freeman tom cruise would be fucking easy to suss out no i spent like 15 minutes thinking about this and it it nearly broke my brain 
Uh, I, I think what would have happened if if we had time to do it is I would have gone through a lot of big movies um, in the last 20 years, mm. and I would have just gone to each one, and then I would have been like, okay, Oblivion. Yeah. Oblivion would have rang a bell. But Yeah. I mean, at one point, I almost convinced myself that Glory and Born on the Fourth of July were the same movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like glory on the fourth of july right. <laughs> or, or born on glory yeah yeah but were, glory, what was born on the fourth of july was about vietnam right yep. yeah. yeah that's right <laughs> it certainly was wasn't it wasn't about the war for independence <laughs> no, yeah. no. oliver stone had a vietnam trilogy uh where he started with platoon and he had born on the fourth of july and then heaven and earth mm. did he direct born on the fourth of july mm-hmm. he did Oh wow! It's based on a book that dude Cruz is really good. He really is. He he got nominated for an Oscar. Um, but uh, it's based on that dude he plays book. I believe it's a good movie, isn't it? I haven't seen it. Oh, you never seen it? No, I've seen parts. Seen parts of it. Uh, there's a part. The only part for whatever reason I saw. Um, I was flipping through. I guess one day, and it was like towards the end. But like he has to, he has to use a catheter and uh mm-hmm. and uh there's a part where because i guess his parents are like real religious freaks or something like that that's how i remember it yeah. and uh and um and um and there's a point where cruz is breaking down he's like you know it says in the bible it's a sin to play with your penis i sure wish i had one <laughs> and all that and uh and he's like pulling out his catheter and all this other type of stuff <laughs> And he's like, he's, she's like, she's like, don't say that word in here. He's like, he's like, penis, <laughs> hard yep. erect penis, mom. <laughs> penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. Mm-hmm. That's from Varsity Blues. Oh, I thought you were about to. I thought you were about to go into a five hundred days of summer thing. Uh, what is the penis joke in five hundred? Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are on that park. That park that they're always at. Uh huh. And she and the whole thing is to see how loud they can say it and keep chopping each other is how loud they can say. Yeah. So she's like penis. And then he's like penis, penis, (laughs) penis. So (laughs) we played this game in college. I did too. My friends and I, and I was that guy who didn't care if he lost. So I'd always, I'd always go up to a girl and be like, because a lot of my friends were girls. Um, Hey, you want to play the penis vagina game? Okay. You you go first. And she'd go, penis. And I'd go, vagina! <laughs> like scream it so that everybody would stare at us. And then I would run away laughing. That was the way I played that this game. This is in college? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Some say I have yet to mature. <laughs> yeah, we made a movie recipe with him. Yeah. yeah. The most was- disgusting movie recipe ever. We all gagged and it wasn't fake. So you were on, you were there for that. Oh, one, he right? was there. Yeah. I was there. Um, and there was a point where he wanted to get footage of me eating it. I don't know if he wanted me to actually eat it, but I actually eat it, <laughs> eat it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was awful. Oh, yeah. oh it was so bad. It's terrible. It's I terrible. did nearly throw up. Yeah. It's gaggy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop it. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, it was boy. the funniest fucking thing ever. Anyway, obviously can't do that. Yeah. <laughs>